This could be a cool pad. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Hello, Mama. Is this what you want? Huh? Is this where you need it? Talk to me. How about this?
All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. What was that rocket? What rocket? I was just in my office and I heard a rocket. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? Speaking of which, uh, as we've been doing the entire month of Shocktober, uh, we've been, Neko and I have been guesting on the Samurai's Versus episodes, and uh, we've had great panel guests, too. Uh, I don't think, we've only done one, I think, with Aaron. We haven't ran, gotten around to him being back on. I'm sure he's pretty busy with a lot of shit, and he wasn't feeling, he was kind of feeling on the weather a while back, too, so uh, hopefully he's better. I've seen him posting, so he seems to be doing a lot better now. Uh, but as far as like last night, we did a episode with uh, Samurai and we were doing uh, Lost Boys versus Near Dark versus Fright Night and it was, it was a lot of fun uh, and three really good movies. Uh, we were joined by, as you just heard, uh, opening up the show, E-Rock, who is Eric. Uh, he, he does like a lot of these cover songs and he He's gets... He's an amazing guitarist. In fact, even the guy on that, Anthony Vincent, does the vocals. Uh, for, he's pretty popular too. He's the guy that, if you don't remember, he's the one that did 20 different styles of typo negative using, like, you know, Slipknot or Pantera or, you know, various uh, vibes and songs and styles of how he's using uh, Peter Steele's voice. He's very good at that. But even on that song, it's just like just straight up singing, which is great. Uh, he sounded amazing. Eric is a phenomenal guitarist. Phenomenal. Uh, Neko and I spent a lot. <laughs> Long time last night. Yeah, we were harassing going, him. Going through his catalog, we were harassing him a little bit, just showering him with love. And 
uh, becoming best friends, <laughs> stepbrother yeah, style. Yeah, I was like, did we just become best friends? <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, especially when he can speak to Neko's heart with, like, rabbits and shit. You know, that's that sort of thing. Uh, but we were also joined by Joel from Media Glitch. Uh, very cool guy. Uh, a lot of fun. He's got a lot of knowledge that he drops down when he does these uh, videos. Like, he's always kind of saying, I can't speak too long. I don't want to hold everything up. But, you know, he's, he's got a lot of great knowledge on well, he's film. he's got a lot of, like, behind-the-scenes Oh, yeah, stuff, yeah. It, like, we, even we didn't realize, like, like, I didn't realize that Media Glitch was actually a TV show or something like that that he mentioned that he, he actually got to speak with guys like Corey Feldman. So he's probably spoken to a lot of, like, actors and whatnot. So that's pretty amazing in itself. And, uh, yeah, so he's got all these, like, tidbits and kind of like Aaron, you know, there's, like, all these behind-the-scenes nostalgia and uh, trivia stuff that's in there that he brings. Um, Derek from... Flicks, snacks, and knickknacks. Very cool Flicks, guy. He's kind of just getting started off on the YouTube thing too a little bit here. So, uh, but he's a very cool guy. I'm very passionate about uh, movies as we are. So I'm gonna break down real quick just uh, where you can find these guys on YouTube. I don't have all their Facebook info, but generally it's under the same names. So for E Rock, you can find him at 331 E Rock if you search YouTube. Uh, as usual, Samurai Guy is at That Fat Samurai Guy, that's P-H-A-T, 7981. That's, that's his page. Uh, Derek, with uh, he's at Flicks, Snacks, Knickknacks, all one word. So uh, be sure to check out his page, subscribe. He's got a lot of good content in there. Um, also, Joel from Media Glitch, um, you just... Type in Media Glitch and that will pop up their page. And they look at, they, um, I can't talk. It's like they have, like, a whole team there, yeah, too, so. There, there's a lot of, like, um, video game information. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and Derek does a lot of video game stuff, too, I think. So you'll, you'll see a lot of that. Uh, Mr. Tony Adet, of course, he wasn't able to jump on for the full episode. He was having computers, but he did put in his vote. Uh, but you can find him at Mr. Tony of the Dead on YouTube. And he has a lot of horror stuff there. A lot of unboxings. Kind of like Aaron. And uh, speaking of Aaron, uh, you'll find him at Aaron Penn. That's P-Y-N-N, Cult of Cinema. And uh, he's a very cool guy. Uh, Neko and I are hoping to get together with him at some point and do a video with him. Uh, we haven't decided what that's going to be yet. But uh, when we get time and he gets time, we're going to try to set that up. It's so crazy because, like... We really love doing all of this, and we have been just insane, like, with all the time constraints. Like, I know I've been bitching about the bathroom, and it's starting to come into, like, the home stretch now. Like, I got to finish that up. I got to repair a few pieces of flooring, because, you know, I started with that, and I really should have ended with that. We just ran into so much bullshit trouble. Got some painting to do. I'm starting back at my former position on Monday. Anubis is changing to a different distribution center. Like, we're just trying to we're trying to keep it going, you know. Yep. And one last guy that we have done some videos with in the past. He hasn't been active as of late, as far as like being on the shows. But that's Asian, the movie enthusiast. Uh, his uh, website's a little harder to nail down. It's Anti C L I M A C U S one hundred. But uh just 
generally if you do like a search for Asian movie enthusiasts, it should pop right up for you. And subscribe, subscribe to all these guys' channels. They're all very good mm -hmm. uh, and worth your time. So we're going to throw out some shout-outs to those guys. Much appreciated. Enjoy doing the shows with you uh, and are happy to be a part of that. And so, we have one little other quick tidbit for our movie news to kick things off. Um, I kind of brought up to Nichols' attention last night that uh, Alec Baldwin had managed to discharge a prop gun on a set and killed somebody as well as injure another. Yeah, the director um, of photography, Helena Hutchins, was killed, and director Joel Souza was injured. And... Um, Rust in New Mexico, and it's kind of crazy because they don't really have a whole lot of, um, you know, information of like the accident. Mm -hmm. They're just saying it was an accidental shooting. Like clearly, I don't think Baldwin was out there. Yeah, I don't, around, you're right. It's, it's one of these things where like props and and. But you and I were just talking about just not so long ago when it came to Brandon Lee and the crow and the set and the how initially that incident changed the way they dealt with guns but it clearly here we are years later and it seems to be still an issue like i don't know what exactly is going on i don't know if it's well baldwin said he's fully cooperating with the police and he's fully cooperating with anything with the investigation he's he's like apparently hutchins is kind of you know she's young she's not my age youngish you mm -hmm. know and she's kind of up and coming um and very respected in the circles. So they're trying to figure out um, what's going on, like what would make this, you know, egregious error, basically. Yeah. And, um, and I, I'm, I'm sure we'd probably agree. It's, it's probably a matter of cutting corners like they did in The Crow. Like too many times we see these, you know, these directors are held back by budgets and so in order to make things easier they'll cut corners but you know when it comes to safety that's not something you should be doing uh, i won't say that's exactly what happened uh, it may not been but just you know from history showing us that that's kind of what generally happens is you know people get lackadaisical when it comes to safety hazards and uh yeah so i don't know exactly how or why it happened they're still investigating it but yeah i mean they're, they're speaking to some um hollywood weapons experts and they're basically saying that movie industry only blanks um cartridges that do not hold bullets are allowed on set for the um for the reason of what happened to uh Brandon Lee. right and then also there's <coughs> there's always like inspections and there's like a series of guidelines um there is a union in that area because apparently the ranch that they're filming on gets used for a lot of westerns and this is this movie is set in the 1800s um the local union is is characterizing it as an accidental weapon accidental weapons discharge and noted that the union themselves was not involved so I don't know if they weren't involved in setting things up or yeah, because it says there are no local union members on the call sheet. It, it's just it's crazy all around. So I don't know. I mean, I I'm really. Can you imagine like, you know, on both sides, you know, a family.
family member of yours gets killed or injured, how, how heartbreaking it is, or being on Alec Baldwin's side where he's like, I'm just an actor, this is supposed to be a prop gun, and I killed somebody yeah. with a prop. Right. Like, it's got to be gut-wrenching. Because mm-hmm. there's, yeah, there's one sh- shot of him, um, like, he just looks... I mean, it's probably part Despondent. of... Yeah, like, it's par- probably part, because he's got, like, the hair and stuff and for the wardrobe, but he's, like, leaning over and, like, kind of freaking out, and clearly there was no malice involved in this, but it's just... Both sides are just so sad. But we really thought it was it was important to bring this up and talk about it, mainly because um, we do watch a lot of movies, we talk with a lot of our people regarding movies, and we want everyone to be safe. Be, exactly. Just be safe. I'm, I'm safe. I mean, we know well. that over the course of years, when it comes to stunts, and, you know, we just watched, what was it we were watching, they were talk. oh, it was the, um, How Movies Made Us, and the guy that was doing the stunt for uh, Nightmare on Elm Street being Freddy, and he was on fire, and he, he literally, like, Went up the steps, fell down the steps, and ran back up the steps. And they were like, are you okay? He's like, did it look good? (laughs) That's what he was trying to do. But see, the thing is, it's serious. Because we saw a doc some time ago about um, Kane Hodder, who played Jason. And he literally burned himself one time Mm -hmm. doing that kind of shit. uh, And he still remained a stuntman, so good for him not to get discouraged by it. But that's the kind of thing. Like, there are just things you have to really take precautions on and... Because it can be deadly. And, you know, just one of those weird things when it came to Brandon Lee and all that mystique and everything else about, you know, his past with his dad and the supposed curse. Like, there's just so many things (laughs) with his case. But it really did show that they needed to change the way they dealt with props. And that's, you know, now we are 40, 30, 40 years later and... Still having some issues with this, so hopefully they uh, get this shit worked out. Alright, well, got some good music coming your way. Necklace pick and a rock block, as well as some classic uh, rock songs in there as well. A couple of movie reviews, including our retro DVD movie vault. Necka was quite surprised for her pick, uh, my pick, I should say, that uh, she enjoyed. Uh... Also got an article about a killing in Norway, which is going to shock a lot of people. Anywho, going to kick off this first block uh, from their new record, A View from the Top of the World, Dream Theater. This is Awaken the Master.
Yeah.
DJ Anubis here, and I want to say if you dig all things Godzilla and KG related, then check out the YouTube channel of the Sci-Fi Century. He has great reviews, opinions, and theories in the world of sci-fi horror, anime, and of course everyone's favorite atomic breathing lizard, Godzilla. Century provides great commentary when both having a special guest on his shows as well as the collaboration with the big teddy bear, that fat samurai guy. So if you want to keep it raw, real, tune into the Sci-Fi Century. That's S-C-I-F-I-S-E-N-T-R-Y. Sci-Fi Century. Tune in to get the best in science fiction and Godzilla-related information. Peace. So, Neko had found an article the other day that kind of shocked me because I didn't even hear anything about it. But um, it's kind of like a double whammy because of not only the violence in the event that happened, but uh, one of the individuals that was caught in the middle of this. So, I'm going to turn it over to her. You're going to turn it over to me. Because you know the story. So, um... that's coming out is it wasn't actually a bow and arrow but they were killed by a sharp object um it's been the worst attack in norway since um the far-right extremist i'm gonna say his name wrong um anders breivik massacred mm. 77 people about 10 years ago right and you know the the town and is is still asking questions like what the hell is going on blah 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 but it turns out um it was the suspect is Espen Anderson Braffin and he is a Danish Muslim convert who is in custody now in a, in a medical facility so what was really interesting is um I forgot her name Oh, uh, it's like Andrea something? Or no, um... <gasps> this is so terrible! Yeah, uh, it was, uh, it was... Andrea Meyer. There we go, Andrea Meyer, she's the ex-wife of, um... Samoth. Thank you. For those who know, uh, Emperor and Zyklon Samoth, guitarist. And, um, it's four women and one gentleman between the age of 50 and 70. So it's it's really actually kind of crazy because it's it's kind of shocking. Um, there's, apparently this town of Kongsberg is really like kind of peaceful. So having a, um, an attack like this is kind of shocking. Um, now, the um, suspect, he confessed to the crime 
but they have him like being questioned. I, it, it's like I almost feel like even if he didn't commit the crime, like if they find out, he he wants the attention for it. Right. So <clears throat> basically. It wasn't exactly a bow and arrow. I'm looking at the map right here of the town. And it's four different arrows. Four different areas. They found an arrow stuck in the wall. But it appears the people who actually were killed were maybe stabbed with a sharp eye. Maybe somebody had an arrow and stabbed them. Oh, okay. But it wasn't like someone was picking them off. Like in that, um, yeah, I was gonna think bow and arrow about. can work if you're really good at it, but then like a crossbow would be even better. Well, remember, I, remember, it's a book and a movie. We need to talk about, um, we need to talk about Kevin, yeah, Kevin. Yeah, the book was way better than the movie, but that's like how he did his whole, yeah, spoiler alert, people. That's how he did his whole massacre was with uh, a crossbow, yeah, um. So I I don't know I just thought it was kind of sad and well you know, we were talking about because it hits the metal community you know Norway is not generally a very violent place like we live in Baltimore and we get like over three hundred murders a year like the last time well, that's what we were talking of, about was the whole like you know guns versus knives now you have like. This stuff going on. I mean, obviously, Norway does have the history with black metal and the churches and everything else. But, you know, something like that where someone goes on a killing spree, you know, you don't really expect it too much over there. But I just show you that we've always talked about that if somebody wants to do harm to somebody, they don't need a gun to do it. They'll find a way. Yeah. And uh, clearly somebody found a way. It's really, really sad. Mm -hmm. It really you know, I always think of the... Uh... Now, this is cool because I didn't notice this. Because, um, obviously, uh, this is way back probably when um, Samak was still with Emperor Day. He was with her, uh, which also included Mortis at the time. Uh, he wrote, Andre Meyer, you created pagan-inspired music 15 years before everyone else thought it was cool. Rest in peace, old friend. So, you know, some pretty uh, good moments there. Uh, from people who knew her well, and yeah, she's kind of she looked like a nice lady uh, with a dog, and I guess uh, she was she knew Daniel Danny Filth from Cradle Filth. Well, I well. think it, you know we are a very tight community of metalheads, like right. just in general metal, and especially back then. You know, even David Vincent from Morbid Angel knew who she was, or ex Morbid Angel. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's kind of uh it's sad though yeah definitely. so i mean we've been given some like really sad news today <laughs> i'm sorry for being the debbie downer but i thought it was important that we things will pick up we, uh, okay. <laughs> hopefully something happy will happen like we'll talk about how cute miss kitty is laying on the couch with me <laughs> i mean that is really cute like you can't get there's nothing cuter than an old fat cat just curled up we just want to strangle her when she wakes us up oh at my gosh. 3 in the morning for I don't, food. So, I don't, if any of my listeners want to respond, you know, Miss Kitty, we've had her a really long time. And we're thinking she's, like, between 16 and 18. We're not 100% sure of her age, so we're thinking, like, 18-ish. Um, she's a really good cat, but over the last, I'd say, year, 
she has started doing this like horrible it's not even a meow it's like she, she's almost howling like a wolf it's like it's weird and she does it when she's lonely or she's hungry and sometimes it's not too much on like besties towards the end of her life that she was kind of doing she's something. carrying around that little toy remember yeah, yeah. but it was nothing like her and she's incessant man um so if any of you have an older cat like i've I, we've talked to the vet about it she's in no pain she's well fed well loved well rested um some of the theories that people are saying with cats living as long as they are now is it could be a little bit of um kind of kitty dementia mm -hmm. or you know that's how she's acting out her her loneliness because she likes to, to stay in the basement we have a three level house so she'll be in the basement and she wakes up and we're no longer here so she gets kind of like lost or confused i don't know but i would love to hear anybody's thoughts on elderly cats because honestly she's in in good shape um she has a little arthritis so we give her um a monthly injection to help with her joints and we have pain medicine if it starts bothering her and she's in great shape like she probably live like she doesn't look like she's in great shape but she's in great she's, shape and you know the thing is though she is chunky but a lot of it is loose, loose skin, loose skin. Yeah, she needs a tummy tuck. She has lost a, the appropriate amount of weight. She's not 23 pounds anymore. She's more like 16, 17 pounds. She's getting there. And we have, you know, she's she's doing really well. I honestly, I bet you she lives like five more years. She's that's how good she she's doing. But uh, just the kitty dementia thing is a very interesting theory, and I'm wondering if anybody else has had a cat who has been elderly like this or. Or, uh, what do they use the word? They don't say elderly with animals. They say, uh, senior or whatever. Right. Um, geriatric. <laughs> if you have a, a geriatric animal who does something like this, maybe out of confusion or loneliness or I just need attention. So that was all. I just want y'all to know that we love Miss Kitty, the cutest kitty in the world. <laughs> <laughs> All right, in our next block, got some stuff from Against PR as well as Grand Sounds Promotions, but we're going to kick off some brand new stuff from Gus G. This should make E-Rock happy. It's called Judgment Day. Some oh, shred nice. coming your way.
come get it. Get lit. Yeah, and John too. <laughs> Closing out that uh, block there was Omni Bean with Omni Bean. Uh, I think uh, while Nickel wraps up what she's doing, I'll go ahead and play another block of music. Oh wait, never mind. She's coming. I'm sorry. This is my life. Yeah, so that's what she was doing. Taking crazy phone calls. Important crazy phone call though. Had a crazy phone call. Mind blowing. Mind blowing. Alright, I am sorry. So this is how unprofessional I am. This I am sorry. I am sorry. I am like super excited though because it was it was a mind-blowing um, phone call, but also like I feel like there's going to be some positive change at a phone call. So anyway, what's next up on the docket, Mr. DJ Anubis? What do you mean change? Like in terms of your company? Oh, no, that was the Inspector General. Oh! Mm -hmm. Okay, so we'll get to that another time. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so yeah, next up in the docket is you and I had a chance to go see the latest Bond film, No Time to Die. And as we were talking about before, when we were speaking about, you know, Daniel Craig is re really done. He's ready to not be Bond anymore. And I understand, but the, the article we read maybe two weeks ago was basically saying, know all of Daniel Craig's um, bonds were tragic and dark and you know now's a new time to be a little bit more lighthearted and this this was a dark movie yeah well that's sort of been Daniel Craig's uh, his whole time with bond is they're a lot more serious mm -hmm. uh, the premise of this one is uh, Bond has actually gone into retirement, so to speak. He doesn't, you know, he's not an agent really anymore. He's kind of like out of the spotlight. Everyone thinks he's dead, really, from MI6 and all that. <clears throat> and so, I forget exactly how he came back out of it, but... Uh, so he was um, retiring, and he was with his girlfriend in Italy. Right, right, right. And... Oh, that's right. He was visiting his ex-girlfriend's grave. And he saw that there was a specter uh, card, card or something. attached. Almost looked like Hydra. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, is that, is, is that an octopus? So he saw the card and he reached down to look at the bouquet of flowers. And this was best for his exes um, from 2006 when she died. Uh, it was her grave. And his girlfriend was... Um, the current one. The current one. It was between Marguerite. Or yeah. Well, uh she, what is her she's French. I forgot what, they, what her character's name was. Uh, Madeline. Madeline, sorry. So Madeline was like, you have to let her go. Um, and he gets up there to say his respects. And he's doing this little... In Italy, they're, they're burning all these pieces of paper because they're trying to, like, you know, start fresh. And it's like a little um, festival going on. So he burns a piece of paper. And... Um, then after that, that's when the grave blows up. And it was like this huge like chase scene and you know, all this craziness going on, but he gets back to Madeline and he suspects her. Yeah, they, they did a good job. It was like once he got her and they got out and they got in the car and uh, he got a phone call and they 
pretty much used her against him in the sense that you didn't know whether or not she was involved or not, but they made it seem like she was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's a guy that doesn't trust a lot, and so he was, you know, very wary after that with her. And actually, when they finally split up and he got her on the train, he's oh like... Oh my god, that was the sa I started crying and... It's like, you'll never see me again. And uh, that was it for that. But basically, there comes a point where, you know, they go and... They go to some sort of... They're trying to work together to, to, to weed out because some uh, serious chemicals were stolen. And uh, what it does is it's it's a DNA thing that can actually single out certain DNA, or DNA parts of people. So if you wanted to wipe out a particular family just for them within a group of many people, you could do that with this gas-type substance. And it's, it, if you touch it, like if... if I got, you get it on your hand. They're nanobots. Yeah, so, so this they're is the with you forever. The COVID people <laughs> got the nanobots from, just by the way, <laughs> the anti vaxxers. So if I got it on my hands by accident, there's no like, you know, using isopropyl alcohol or, or, you know, anything to wipe it off. It's there forever. So in my future, if I ever touch somebody that matches that sequence, and that, and that plays into what happens towards the end, because there will be spoilers. Um, so, we have this going on, and we have this specific doctor who knows how to set these uh, vials up to work accordingly. They, there's like an actual USB drive with all these names and their DNA codes. So that's, he went to, Bond went down to Cuba. Right. And um, was just relaxing for like five years hanging out, driving his Jeep, enjoying <laughs> his life, and um, during uh, that time is when they had that doctor who they were... Um, Felix is the one who came, came to try to get Bond to come back. But that doctor was part of Spectre. Right. And what's-his-face, M, he secretly kept what that doctor was working on off the books. Yep. Yeah, so this was a secret project that they had going on for a while. Huge secret project. And then when um, that other group comes in and, like, tries to blow up the... Well, they do blow up the facility. M's like, it was a gas leak explosion. Right. Like, he's not giving out any information yeah, they're clearly trying to hide what it was they were working on. So at one point, when they're trying to recapture the Doctor, there's this big party going on, and unknown to Bond, and actually this uh, very hot chick, Anna Diarmas, who plays Paloma, who's another sort of a new green agent working with them. Uh, they get there, and all of a sudden the spotlight goes on Bond, and this gas starts coming out, and you hear Blumfield's voice uh, come over to Intercom, who he's like one of the for, uh, former leaders of Spectre. Yeah, he's in jail, kind of. Waltz. Right. Christopher Waltz. So he's in jail. So Bond's kind of like, well, how the hell is he doing this from his jail cell? But what's even more intriguing is the gas doesn't kill Bond. It kills all these Spectre agents around him. <laughs> and so... 
I can't remember if why the doctor had swapped it out. Uh, I think maybe he was being paid to because we have a, a another character who's involved with this big shenanigan He's thing. He's part going. of the CIA in the U.S. Uh, Safin, who's played by Rami Malek, uh He's got this whole big agenda for himself. He, he's got other plans, and Spectre isn't on that list. Uh, mainly because Spectre is responsible for killing his own family. So there's some backstory with him and also Madeline, who is Bond's love interest. Uh, so once it's all come back out after Bond survives, and you know he's now realizing he's going to have to work with Madeline, who has like this inside information a little bit to help him find... This guy, she still hasn't told him this. This is one of the problems they had when they were together is that they weren't telling each other their secrets and not letting go. Like, Bond was trying to, but she hadn't quite gotten there before shit went hit the fan. So, long story short, you know, it's all about Bond trying to get these vials and stop uh, Saf and Mal Malik's character. And... Uh, you know, we we knew going into this, like, we have a new Bond who's portraying 007. It's Lashana Lynch who plays Nomi. She's uh, the actress who now has, since Bond had been out of the picture for five years, she's the one that took over the number. So there's kind of like this back and forth between her and Bond, you know, kind of goofingly, like, well, you know, your legs don't work that well. It's some sort of joke like that, you know. I'm 007, you know it, it, but there's this, there is this respect between both agents. Uh, and eventually, she ends up giving the number back. Now, I don't know why that happened, but, you know, cool nod to Craig and Bond, I guess. But you and I were talking about how, even beyond this film, how the number itself or the name Bond will mainly be just a, a sense of a mythos uh, that anyone can take that identity and plays it. I it. think, well... I, you know, I don't want to give away too much of the story because it's a very, very complex story, and I don't want to give spoilers too much because it's a, it's a crazy, crazy. Um, and again, this is dark and emotional. The whole thing is dark and emotional, and um, you know, at the end, they they said James Bond will return, like like they always do. But like normally, they'll say James Bond will return in yeah whatever movie, but they just left it as James Bond will return. Yeah. So, because of, again, like, the mythos and everything that happened during this, what we're thinking is either they're going to travel back in time to, like, James Bond, the early years, or they're going to possibly, when you become 007... Your name is James Bond. Like, even if your name is Tom Smith, you, and you... And in some ways, I didn't even think about it, but that's almost a better way to go because, you know, there's this sense of when you watch all these Bond films and when James Bond is kind of like just, you know, going to these events, you know, and he's first getting, you know, he's first doing all his spying and everything, you know, and he's walking up to a bar. Like, he just mentions his name and people look at him like, wow. Even, like, when we saw... In this movie, when he walked up to the security guard and told him he was, the guard's like, yeah, right, okay. He's like, uh... We haven't seen you in, like, five years. You're not He's blocked. like, who are you? Right. right. So it's almost like he's going to be... Whoever is James Bond is going to be James Bond just by... And so every time you look at James Bond, 
it may not be like James Bond the person it's going to be like James Bond you take on like almost like this superhero right. essence of yeah like, if you we one of our favorite guys that should be it is Elba so Elba walking in and saying I'm James Bond you know people are going to you know people who don't know him but know the name are going to say oh my god it's him you know and that's the thing that's that's sort of the mythos behind it um so okay so anyway uh so you don't want to give away the ending to no this. I don't because okay. it's that's fine it's too much going on and it's still kind of new and We've already given away a lot of, like, backstory to it. Right. And kind of the way we're talking. I just don't want it to... Because it's, it's, a, it's a heavy movie. Yeah, it is heavy. And there's a lot that you find out about James Bond mm-hmm. and Madeline. Mm-hmm. And it just blows your mind. And... But it, but we're, I'm going to circle back to what you said at the beginning. That that's the one thing... Like, I'm going to have you rate your your score on this movie. Um, it's, it, it, we've seen articles where they say it's time for Bond to kind of get back to the fun part of it. And that's really what it needs to do. Like These movies that Craig have been at pretty pretty good for the most part. Um, but they do lack that kind of fun and let loose type of thing that we saw in the early years. Even with the Pierce Bronson era. Like, it just doesn't have that kind of quirkiness that you expect. Uh, once Craig became Bond, it just sort of went into this more serious role. And I mean, that kind of reflects on what's been going on, like right. life in general. So anyway, I didn't tell you this because you know I didn't know if you were going to be interested in doing it. But I ranked oh my. all the James Bond movies according to my list, except for two because I didn't bother with Never Say Never Again. That was the Sean Connery one that he did offshoot. And then the original Casino Royale was not part of the same uh, eon, as they call it. So I stuck with just the 25 that were all part of the same eon. So I'll, I'll just start going from backwards to number one. And you can say whether or not you agree or disagree how you feel about it. And you may not remember some, because I, I can tell you right now, number 25, even though I know it's the worst one on my list, I couldn't tell you what happened because it was just so bad. And I know you probably saw it with me anyway. Uh, number 25 would be Quantum of Solace. That's another Craig We film. hated that one because we really liked Casino Royale and then Quantum of Solace came out and we watched it like once and we're like... Trash. We're like, what is this? We're running through the fucking desert? Is that it? Is that all that's going to happen? <laughs> right. Number 24, uh, not really uh, Lazenby's fault, but uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. It's, not, it's a fine film, okay, but it's not as good as a lot of the other stuff that's out there. 23, probably the worst Roger Moore film is Moonraker. Uh, the whole space thing and, you know, the crazy love interest with Jaws. and the, Even though that stuff got mocked in the Austin Power stuff. At one. Uh, 22, A View to a Kill. That's the one with Christopher uh, Walken and Grace Jones. That was the last Roger Moore film that they did. And had to Duran Duran doing their... Oh, I know. Stuff. I know what it is. Yeah, I remember the plot too much. I don't remember the plot too much either. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I remember not being super thrilled with that particular film. 21, Die Another Day, Pierce Brosnan. Number 20, Diamonds Are Forever. That was a Sean Connery film. 
19, Tomorrow Never Dies, another Brosnan film. I was never, like, a big Pierce Brosnan as 007 person. I don't think I watched a lot of his... Well, you know what's funny? Because I remember when late 80s, when it first started searching for Bond after more, and uh, all the talk was Pierce Brosnan. And Brosnan was really close to being Bond, like, but he was so... He was tied into his contract with Remington Steel that he could not do it. Oh, okay. Uh, but I remember saying to myself, okay, well, I can kind of see Pierce being it. And then when Timothy Dalton took over, I, you know, there was a lot of backlash. People did not want it. They were like, he was not going to be... I like that one with the sharks with the laser beams. That's another kind of, like, dark one. Like, his friend... Uh, a license to kill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, they don't really have so, films, right, right, right. <laughs> that's, that's where the sharks But surprisingly, when I went to see those films, Dalton was very good. In fact, he is my second favorite Bond of all. And he only did two films. So, uh, credit to him. Quality over quality. Right. You know, he was able to do the role very well, I thought. Uh, so, at number 18, No Time to Die. This is where I rank it as far as the top 25. 17 is From Russia with Love. 16, You Only Live Twice. 15, I think this is the only Brosnan one. No, there's two. There's another one yet. Uh, GoldenEye, 15. Actually, is that the one Halle Berry? No, Halle Berry is in... Um, wasn't she one with Craig? Mm-mm. You sure? Mm-hmm. Man, I'm thinking of something else. Okay. Oh, yeah, I know what I was saying. Okay, it might be the one with Halle Berry. Um, you might be right. Uh, 14, The Spy Who Loved Me. 13, Thunderball. I really like that one a lot. It's, that's Mantok, baby. It's Mantok. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Mantok is actually, uh, Goldfinger. It is, it is, it is Goldfinger. Because then she, he goes in there and she's, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Gold 12, Doctor No, the very first Bond film. No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. <laughs> 11, The World Is Not Enough. This is the last of the Brosnan ones. Um, I really like the plot, and I forget the actress's name that played uh, Sophia Marceau, I think. Might be right. Um, but it, it also was, had... It was Die Another Day that, um, that Halle Berry was in. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. um, where am I? Oh, number 10. Now we're just starting top 10 here. Goldfinger, number mm -hmm. 10. Number 9. The Man with the Golden Gun. Christopher Lee. Now shit's getting real. Number eight, Spectre. Daniel Craig. I did like Spectre a lot. I think that was the one right before the last one here. Mm -hmm. uh, seven, more Daniel Craig. Skyfall. I like Skyfall. <laughs> that was the one at his parents' estate. Yeah. yeah. Number six, Casino Royale. Daniel Craig. See, that was the thing. We really liked all of Craig's work. As because he was a great, people were not happy about him being Bond either. Right, the changes of the hair. And, and they're like, no, no. He, I think that Daniel Craig got really great scripts and writing, and they weren't just Bond films; they were like dramatic, actual films. Right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like you know, yeah. a lot of these older Bond films are written as Bond films, like. It, when Sean Connery would play James Bond, he always did the thing with his hat and like tossed it onto the rack. The, the rack and Money Penny. Money Penny was always like super flirt. It was all like it had a formula. Yeah. 
they took the formula and just flipped it on it. its side for Daniel Craig and turned it into legit, like, all kinds of different, and wrote the role a lot differently. Yeah, they took away a lot of the, like, you know, womanizing and, you know, this and that. I mean, it still had its own sex appeal in a way, but not, it was more romantic rather than the, hey, I'm just going to bang this woman left and right, you know? <laughs> Number five, License to Kill, Timothy Dalton. That's the one that, um... Where he was actually getting... He was at his friend's wedding, and then... And they, then they got, yeah. Yeah, that one was good, too. Number four, The Living Daylights, the other Dalton film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> see, I don't, see, I would probably have ranked that one a little bit lower. I do like License to Kill a lot. I well, I could probably interchange those, and I wouldn't be mad. You know what I mean? I just knew I'd like both films. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I like Living Daylights because of the, I was really attracted to the, the, the chicken that, who plays the cello. Of course. Uh, number three, Octopussy. I love Octopussy. Mm-hmm. Number two, For Your Eyes Only. And number one, Live and Let Die. And that's also my number one as well. Yeah. It's, it's got its perfect balance of being a James Bond movie, being an action movie, and um, it's got that 70s camp to it, like that fucking sheriff was... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. well we talk about it all the time how it's, 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 it's dated obviously from the time period, but yeah, uh, that movie just has everything, like, it, and again, but see... You and I, we can go back and watch this film and still get a lot of enjoyment out of it because it is fun. Uh, some people may take it just too serious, and that's the problem with my opinion with people these days when it comes to films that they get easily offended by. It's like you gotta kind of learn to get past on that because it is just filmmaking. It's just people portraying characters. Um, granted, it was a different time, like you know the whole slap it on the ass by Connery. You know, yeah, you know you don't necessarily need to see that kind of stuff, but you know. Even then, watching that film, like, if you can get past just the subtle shit, it's a very enjoyable film. And that's really what it's all about. I agree. I And I also... I know there's always a problem with something. And I get that. I know there are complaints about how, like, voodoo was portrayed in this more, like, Santeria, and they, they feel like, oh, they're, they're making it a caricature. I think that's what they do in every fucking movie that's ever made. It's it's a movie. Well, yeah. and I, I'll give you a good example. There's a really shitty movie called Center Stage. Probably was in the movie theater for a month and went direct to VHS. I was in college when it came out and it's about ballet dancers. Alright. It is every stereotype you could possibly think <laughs> about about ballet dancers. About the eating disorders. About when I say fat, I'm using quotes because this girl was maybe 110 pounds like getting kicked out of ABT because she's too fat and the bullying. Now, granted, I'm not saying that stuff doesn't happen because they just did a huge investigation on ABT on certain directors and they they got into a, a lot of trouble, but what they do is they take these tropes on things that you hear. All ballet dancers are anorexic. All ballet dancers, you know, if you gain a pound you know, you're automatically kicked out, and everything on TV or movies is is kind of, uh, what's the word, exaggerated for entertainment. Right. So you 
what's going to be more interesting? Watching a bunch of dancers go through boring, monotonous uh, rehearsals every day, or are we going to add some drama with having the main ballet dancer have an eating disorder and then uh, have the pretty ballet dancer getting picked on because she, she started so late and doesn't have perfect feet or having the quote-unquote fat dancer who gained a couple of pounds eating french fries and get kicked at like you know basically you want drama so you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna fire it up you're really gonna like exaggerate things think of all the movies that we've seen and we've like we've said oh yeah this is not really how it is but you gotta dumb it down and you gotta give people so people, when they hear voodoo, well, the thing is, like, if you think about, it, especially back in the day, Bond films were like two and a half to three hours long. Mm -hmm, they still are. So you can't really sit there and and go too deep with the plot because then you're just adding more time into the thing. Like, I get what Yafat Koda was getting at. Like, he didn't really like the fact that they were kind of just grazing over the surface, but or he was they were misrepresenting it. But the whole idea was. At least for the movie's sake, is that it was supposed to be voodoo was scary. That's mm -hmm. what they wanted it to be, uh, and it's been used before, like you know, Serpent in the Rainbow and stuff like that, where they used the darker side of voodoo to kind of like make movies out of. It's all over the place. It's and always then other people. Other people throw out their two cents, and I, I, for, like, I think it was one episode in Sex and the City. Like Charlotte was so desperate to. Um, to know if she's ever going to get married and have a baby. So she goes to the scary part of the city and meets somebody who does voodoo. But then they, like, quote-unquote, take advantage of her. Like, yeah, for $50, we can remove the curse. And it's like, that's another thing. Like, you're, you're, it's a trope. Like, mm -hmm. it's, so. Well, they did it with Steven Seagal and Mark Verdez, same thing. Just, yes! You know, it, it, but that's part of the whole mystique of uh, the voodoo itself. And, you know, I don't think Yafat Koda really, like, regrets doing the film. I mean, I think he was just making a general statement about it. But, you know, if they were to make that film today, it, you know, I'm sure that it would have been done a little bit different. Especially under the Craig era, it would have been done differently. Oh, so this is on the same name. So remember the King Kong with Jessica, Jessica Lang in the 70s, and then they have, like, the, the island people are, like... What's the best way to put them? They're like this tribe and they're trying to like bargain and they're not like scary. They're like the new King Kong. Those people would fucking rip your throat out and, and murder you. Like it's, it's. Oh, they did. They were nasty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were scary as fuck. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like I think, you know, you can take the same exact thing, voodoo, and you can make it scary. Or you can kind of like play on the stereotypes like Sex and the City loves doing mm -hmm. and say, you know, they're just going to rip you off because they're trying to take your voodoo curse off of you. I don't know. That's it's neither here nor there. It's kind of going again with what I'm saying. When you're watching something, you have to remember you're, you're taking it for an entertainment value. You're not taking it for... We have to stop treating it like we're it, supposed to get some sort of... Yeah, it's, it's not like the documentary of... I know that voodoo. guys like Jordan Peele and them, you know, they're trying to 
do they're trying to be cognizant of more of a social commentary with their films, but it doesn't necessarily have to be like that. You can go into no, but see, you can do a social commentary without it being like super serious. This is this is the exact everything about voodoo because again, this is fiction. Maybe they needed to take voodoo and camp it up a little bit. Maybe they needed to make that that. Uh, that main guy with the hat, I, for, I forgot the well, character. They, they need to make But they it, did that. Yeah. Because at the time, people forget, at the time that movie was released, they used that same dude for the Coca-Cola commercials. That's right. And it was great. And so, like, I just, you know, again, it's having fun with it. Like, you don't have to really take it. It is a character. Right. And the, the whole movie is just a fictional account. And it's just have fun with it. I like how you put that. It's a fictional account. It's somebody's fictional account. And we always love getting these um, different takes. So, like they were talking about um, Harry Potter, maybe, like, you're getting it from one person's take, but then they're doing, like, another version. I think it's actually a, um, a stage play that they did where it was like another account it is at somebody's account so at this point we're going from james bond's fictional account of what's going on this is kind of like the bond side perspective this and this is you, you made such a great point you need to write this down record it <laughs> because you, you know how i am and i need you to remember this so that we, we have discussions it is a fictional account and it's coming from a perspective not necessarily like we're saying it's the director's perspective like you're watching it and it's a james bond perspective because it's a james bond movie but what if we're going to watch it from you know the perspective of another character you're going to see it a little bit differently you're going to be more into like the voodoo or whatever is going on much differently oh god it's so insightful You gonna do that now? Yes. <laughs> that was like I love brilliant. you too. All right, let's get back to some music. Yeah, let's stop being mushy. Yeah, uh, we got some classic devastation, affliction in here. Also got some brand new Vilharda kicking it off with Chaos Two. Yes, 
Everybody, this is Mr. Joshua Gray, your live gameplay DJ, live weekday mornings, every day, but hump day, playing Mortal Kombat or other games occasionally and featuring a number of different artists. So come on by, grab your breakfast, and enjoy some fatalities. Mr. Joshua Gray on YouTube, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 8 to noon to the moon. And you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Jump into our rock block here. And today's rock block got some sundown. Bob Seeger, Man for Man's Earth Band. The Shape, provided by Grand Sounds Promotions and Kaiser and the Machines of Creation. As well as Neko's Pick of the Week. And we'll get to that when it comes up. Right now, here is the before mentioned Kaiser and the Machines of Creation with In the Mist. And we will be back. Remains of another time It's so haunting I've resigned But I need to follow to Another road Is what I'll do Now and then 
Hey Beak and Zealot R.I.P. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko at Metal Tavern Radio. Get into it now.
orphan boy Living by the sword And we steal away Every chance we could Back room to the alley Or the trusty wood I used her, she used me But neither one cared We were getting our share Working on our nightmares Trying to lose the awkward teenage And it's funny how the night moves When you just don't seem to have as much to lose Strange how the night moves With autumn closing in Now, time for Neko's Pick of the Week. 
<laughs> so yeah, we got a chance to sit and actually rewatch Dream Warriors the other night, Nightmare on Street Three, which is one of the better ones of the series. Well, it was funny because we were also were watching that. Um, what was that show called? The movies that made us, mm -hmm. and they were talking about um, the Nightmare on Elm Street series. So that's what kind of like made us get the idea. Let's go watch Dream Warriors, and it, this one was a. Oh, I listen. Anything with Freddy Krueger in it, even if you guys think it sucks, it's always going to be like top tier for me. Even if it's something I don't remember now. If you wanted me to rank my Freddy Krueger movies, this is probably number two. Number one is probably the original. But she means the 2010 version. Yeah, I've never watched it. <laughs> so, growing up, Freddy Krueger was like my man. He was my boy. I, I probably have said this a million times, but you're going to hear the story again. I had a Ken doll who was naked, and I ripped his head off, and that became Freddy Krueger, and he used to attack my Barbie dolls and cut them up, and that was what I did when I was a kid. So... So, <laughs> I um, I remember my girlfriend and I we we would watch the Freddy's Nightmares show and we were obsessed with that and you know the the movies would come on a lot and we really loved Dream Warriors because we liked um it was this one and I think the next one where you they like figured out a way to get into their dreams together and we tried so hard. To get into our dreams together, like, and have dreams. <laughs> I can imagine how going. Just stare at each other before you fall asleep. Like, all right. Well, we held hands because I think it's either the fourth or the fifth one. It was two girls. They were holding hands, and that's how they got into their dreams together. So, yeah. <laughs> I we watched this, and I'm like, you know what? My pick of the week this week is gonna be. Yeah, because we got towards the end, and of course the song starts kicking out with the credits. Instead of watching the credits, I say, well, I'm just going to go pull up the video on YouTube, and that's what we did. And I always enjoyed the video because, you know, unlike the movie itself, like, you know, throughout the video of Dream Warriors, the band's actually within the movie a little bit. They've reworked it to where, which is pretty clever on their part, to rework themselves into the movie in certain scenes. And, uh... And by the end of it, there's a uh, Kruger wakes up in his bed, and he's like, "Man, what a nightmare! <laughs> Who were those guys?" So it was really, just a lot of fun, kind of turning the tables on Freddy Krueger there with metal music being his affliction, basically in the dreams. But the cool thing about Dream Warriors, and you know, I wasn't really planning on going on a tangent about the movie, but, but I like the cool thing about it was it, it it opened up the door to where you can actually take control of your own dreams. That was the whole point uh, that Nancy had shown in the first movie. That you know you don't necessarily have to be the victim. You can find ways to outmaneuver whatever dream you're in. So yeah, I try to use that when I'm having nightmares, but it doesn't always work. Sometimes it works for me, but I don't know if it's, like, just because I'm, like, refusal to, like, be a victim of anything. No, I think... Like, if shit goes bad, I'm just like, fuck you. I don't care if you're a shark. I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> no, I mean, like, in my... In the dreams, when I get these, like, really bad nightmares, it usually... Shit goes sideways. Like, and then it gets very confusing for me. But then my thing is, I can start...
wrecking because I I don't know if I've ever talked about this with anybody you know on the podcast, but I used to have and I still do. Excuse me. Very occasionally, I have night terrors, and they're pretty violent at times. Like my sister when I was younger, we shared a room, and she was, like, trying to wake me up one night, and then I started choking her, like, it was, it was... Oh, I've been on the receiving end of that. It's pretty crazy, and what, what I've learned how to do, um, in my dream is kind of, like, wake myself up to a point, if, does that make sense? Like, uh, that's why sometimes you'll hear me, like, start screaming or start, like, yelling your name, because I'm trying to wake myself up. Like, right. that's what that is. So, like, I recognize I'm in my And that's the point that I just kick her or something. No, you don't. <laughs> he, like, kind of reaches over and pats me. There, there. There, there. We're in the same zone. But it's crazy. So, I maybe part of me having those night terrors for years is kind of one of the reasons why I'm, like, really always have loved Freddy Krueger. And my night terrors are not, like, about Freddy Krueger or, like, I know a lot of people say when you have night terrors, you're 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 uh, resurfacing old trauma. There there was no trauma. I, I think I just I've always had a hard time with sleeping, proper rest, etc. And I also have an Im- active imagination, and I also watch shit like this. So it kind of gets in your head when you're a kid, and it just kind of manifests. Trust me, there is no trauma in my life. Like uh, maybe there. Who know who the fuck knows. But she was abducted by I aliens. I was abducted. That's his. He thinks I was abducted by aliens. That's <laughs> his. That's his theory that I was abducted by aliens and they did anal probes on me. <laughs> they did sexual things to you. Some sexual things. Well, anyway, here's Nico's pick of the week. We're the dream warriors. Audio jump. Attention, please. Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. In a moment, we will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow. And we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ladies and gentlemen, DJ Neko's pick of the week.
Hi, this is Isaac Goldsmith. Jonathan West from Exhortation. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. He actually did a cover of Dream Warriors as well as Mr. Scary, and he actually owns, like, I don't know if it's like straight up replica of George Lynch's skull guitar from the video, but uh, it's pretty damn close. It, it's, it looks authentic to me, and uh, E Rock can definitely play the fuck out of that thing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's cool. I really enjoyed that. So, you and I, a few weeks back, we started doing. Yep, the ranking tiers of horror movies, and we obviously based this off of Aaron Penn from Cult of Cinema. He was doing year by year or different, you know, random years. Uh, yeah, we decided. He was, he, he was getting pretty intricate too, because like he oh was, yeah, well, he was uh, like taking eighty one, putting them all up, and then he was doing live streams with his audience and mm-hmm. kind of like saying, "Okay, where are we voting this? Uh, good, bad, and." Yeah, he would have his own, but then he would actually go on live first and then allow his audience to dictate where they wanted to put each movie that he was doing for that specific year, which was cool because, you know, he was trying to gauge where everybody was at kind of with, like, the voting. Like, it was just people in chat, and they would say, hey, this one is in good, great, whatever. Uh, but you and I decided that we were going to do it by decade, which is a little harder. We didn't... That It means a couple of things. One, that we had to kind of limit the movies that we were including in and also we have to judge it by movies that we actually can remember of seeing now as time has gone on there's films that i felt like needed to be in these lists so what you were doing and we have to kind of point this out right now is your average uh block is basically both if you think it is average but two if i if i know i okay if i know i saw it but I can't remember anything about it, it's clearly average. Right. Or if it's something where it's like, I've heard of it, can't remember if I saw it, it goes in average. Or if I've never seen it, and I know absolutely nothing about it, I stick it in average because I don't have an opinion. Right. My bad... Is bad. Is bad. Now, whereas... I consider a bad movie for me. I remember it, and I'm like, I remember that was a bad movie. Yeah, my my bad for poor poor is uh, basically two things. One, if it's really bad, I just don't really care for it. It goes in there, but I have films in poor that usually shows up. That's like, yeah, I can watch these films with no problem. It's not necessarily like they they're downright horrible. It's just that they, I could take it or leave it. They're not anything that I'm going to write home about. I wouldn't say. Usually, when it comes to my poor tier, it's like films that I just feel like I just don't watch that often because I just don't care enough. Like, I don't... If I've never really felt the need to say, oh, this is really bad. There are a few that are in there throughout the different tiers that we do. Uh, but for the most part, it's mainly just like, okay, it's got a few good moments, but I could care less about the film. So, let me uh, break down... this. We, you know, you and I, we've done the 70s, we've done the 80s, we've done the 90s. And we're doing the 2000 to 2010 right now. And then we're going to finish up at some point doing 2010 to 2020. So, 2000 to 2010, these are the movies that we decided to go with, or the ones I put in here and you were fine with, because I think you've seen a lot of these. Uh, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, 
Dracula 2000, Final Destination, Ginger Snaps, Hollow Man, Pitch Black, Shadow of the Vampire, Ghost of Mars, Jason X, Jeepers Creepers, Valentine, 28 Days Later, Bubba Hotep, Dark Water, uh, original, The Grudge Remake, Dog Soldiers, Ghost Ship, May, Darkness Falls, Freddy vs. Jason, House of a Thousand Corpses, A Tale of Two Sisters, Underworld, Willard the Remake, Dawn of the Dead Remake, Exorcist the Beginning, One Missed Call, Shaun of the Dead, The Village, 2001 Maniacs, Cursed, did I even really put Cursed in there somewhere? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't remember. Yeah. I can't, I can't hardly read mine. Yeah, That's it, the problem. Well, yeah, it's not very good with the images that we're using, but uh, that one may not have made it. Uh, the Descent. The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Land of the Dead. Saw. Black Christmas Remake. This is the 2006 one, not the 2000 whatever came out a couple years ago. Uh, Fido. Silent Hill, Slither, Underworld Evolution, 30 Days of Night, Dead Silence, Halloween Remake, this is the zombie one, The Mist, Trick or Treat, Lake Mungo. Dude, I didn't realize there were so many. Yeah. Let the Right One In, Antichrist, Jennifer's Body, Underworld, The Rise of the Lichens. Zombieland and the Ring remake. So those are the films that we are working on. Alright, let me get my thing up and I'm gonna probably enlarge it a little bit so I can read. Yeah. Hello. I just got my glasses on. You know, sometimes it's hard with me oh, come on, you bitch. Come on, y'all. Yeah, I don't think I put curse in there. I must have forgot to download an image for it, but it's no big deal. It's not necessary. So these glasses that I'm wearing now are the brand spanking new ones that I got. Um, and I feel like I can see better, but I still feel like anything with light is hard for me to see. That's why a lot of times when, when it rains or when it's dark, I don't really attempt driving in unknown locations. Right. All, All right. right. So, do you want to go with your poor list I'll first? I'll do it together. Yeah, like, I'll do four, you do four. So, for me, I have one in the poor list. It's Ghost of Mars. Yeah. And so, you think that's just a bad thing. Yeah, I just think it's bad. Okay. Uh, like I said before, mine is more or less, like, films that I can watch once in a blue moon. It doesn't really bother me. I'm okay with it. Uh, but they're not stuff that I'd find any better well, than here's way. the thing. There's a difference between... A good bad movie and just a bad. Movie. Well, when I when I arranged these lists, I probably should have labeled them a little differently so like we wouldn't run into that problem where like oh it's something that you've seen but you can't remember. So, but we've worked it out. And we've explained it through our podcast so people should know what's kind of going on by now. Uh, okay, so my poor list: I have Antichrist, I have Ghost of Mars, Jennifer's Body, Silent Hill, Darkness Falls. It goes ship. 
Any problems? Because um, I know you have some of these a little higher, just for different reasons. But. I do, um, especially like Ghost Ship, the only redeeming um, factor it has is that amazing opening scene. And the rest of the movie is kind of like campy and bland and not scary. Yeah, you made that point when you were ranking on the, like, that's the reason why you pushed it up a little bit was because of the opening. And the opening scene is really good. Like, that's... It's really it's kind of funny because that movie, when that scene happened, you're like, oh, this movie this is, is good. This is going to be fucking great. Right. And it, I think I can understand your poor point, though, because it was, like, finding a really, really hot guy and then realizing he has the smallest penis in the world. That's kind of what that movie is. <laughs> you're like, Just a tease. It's like, Jesus Christ. Look at the blood. Look at people getting sliced in half with, and then it's yeah. So it's like it was the sales were up, but then the commission was down. <laughs> I just couldn't get that commission. All right, I'm gonna like sneak over closer to you because you can read my shit better. Okay. We had to do this uh, the other day too because again, fucking blind. Blind is a motherfucking bat. Right. Hold on, let me. Unplug this properly, so I've already got a, already got a warning from here that I'm. All right, I'll go into my list. Your average, okay? I'm yeah. gonna come over. So I my see. average, I have the descent, mm -hmm. which I've never understood why people think it's better than it is. I don't get it, but hey, you know, different strokes for different folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Exorcist, the beginning. I do like a lot of parts of this film. Um. But again, it's not going to be anything that I'm going to watch many times. One missed call, it's good. But I think once we started watching a lot of the other Asian horror films at the time that we were doing this, those ones were all kind of better than the ones that we finally got to. But it was okay. House of a Thousand Corpses. The only problem with this for me is zombies ripping off takes a chainsaw massacre too much for me, for my liking. Uh, Tale of Two Sisters, decent Asian film. Um... I don't know if I would really put it any higher just because I don't really feel the need to watch it as much. Jeepers Creepers, uh, same thing. The Mist was decent. Saw, the ending of Saw is great, but it's kind of like reverse. Like, I kind of bored through most of it, and then by the time you get to the end, you're kind of like, wow, that's kind of cool. So, just like Gosha being the other way around, where it starts out really good, this one ends really well. Final Destination, fun flick. Um, again, not something I would watch many times, but it's kind of cool. Valentine, same thing. Um, mainly just because there's a lot of hot chicks in it. <laughs> and there's my cat whining. Okay, your average list. Okay, so the first one is what? The Descent? Mm -hmm. I Was that the Spelunking one? Yes. Okay, so that's about all I can remember about yeah. it. That's, that's why. Uh, what's the next one? The er Exorcist, the beginning. Yeah, I don't remember shit about it. Yeah, I remember you and I enjoying it at the time, and you were kind of creeped out by it, but, uh, it's been a while since... Yeah, well, that's the thing. If it doesn't hold, and if I was creeped out by it, I was creeped out by it, obviously, for five minutes, and I got over it, so... Now, the next one, I think you'll have to rewatch because at the time, you really liked it, and you just don't remember it, but... It's called May. Uh, a lot of people were talking about it before we watched it. And I was like, well, we need to check it out. And, and the yeah. thing is, I just don't remember it. 
Tale of Two Sisters, you never saw that one. I know that. Exorcism of Emily Rose, you did. Uh, that's a good film for me. You put it in average. Dark Water, this is the original because we saw both. Mm -hmm. um, you again, you kind of not, not recalling it very much. I was, so. It was just, that the was biggest, the one on the, the ceiling, right? Right, the, the black spot. Yeah, it, yeah. whatever. <laughs> Jennifer's Body, I'm not sure if you saw that one. I did. It was just okay. Like, that's what, but it wasn't Makes sense. bad like The Ghost of Mars. It was just okay. Uh, Blair Witch 2. I don't even think I ever saw that, so I don't remember it. That's why it goes in the average file. Uh, the Mist. Yeah, you know. Me. Let the right one in. This is the original one. Hmm. You know, I, I I don't have a lot of thoughts or memories of it, so. Yeah, there's a few in here. Like I probably have to like let you rewatch just to get a better take, but you know it is what it is. Silent Hill. I thought you actually liked that one more than you did. I, you know, I think the only scene I really liked was the part where, um, and th this is, a, this is a difficult for me because it, it's not good enough for me to put in the good category because this is like based off the video game Silent Hill. And I've never played it or anything, but the only thing that even attracted me to the movie was the scene where they were um, in that town where the coal underground was, like, always burning. You yeah, know what I'm well, talking about? Yeah. So that scene, and then they had, like, that flashback, I actually thought was good. And I actually is kind of based off of, at least around here... In Centralia, Pennsylvania, that actually happened, where there's a coal mine that well, is... I think it's based off a game, too. Well, I mean, like, the, yeah, yeah, the game, Silent Hill, but, like, a real-life event, and that's why I kind of, like, really took to that part of the movie. In Centralia, Pennsylvania, which is, you know, maybe an hour and a half or so from here, they, they have evacuated the town over years. And it's completely evacuated now, um, like, a certain radius of it, because there's an underground coal mine that is still burning. They cannot get it out, because it's c continuous fossil fuels burning. So, it the ground is cracking. The houses are collapsing. They're being sinkholes everywhere. So, it made me think about that, because that's a... I mean, it's not right in my area, but it's not that far from our home, so it made me think of that. Darkness Falls, I know you don't remember that one. We saw it years ago. Um, the last two are movies, again, I think that you need to rewatch just because I think you'd really enjoy them. Slither and Lake Mungo, both very underrated flicks. Meh. Meh. This is the thing. If, if I can't remember it and I've already watched it once, meh. <laughs> All right, now to your good list. And you have Dracula... 2000. Mm -hmm. Jared Butler in that one. Mm -hmm. uh, Underworld Evolution. This is the second The second one. Underworld. Yeah. Uh, yes. Zombies Halloween. Yes. 2001 Maniacs. You didn't see that one, but you thought because it has Robert England. This is the problem. <laughs> it, has, it has Robert England in it. And He's a big fan. I'm, yeah. Like, I feel like if I ever met him, I would probably cry. I'm such well, a big I, fan. I, I, I am confident, though, that where you have it, you'd probably like it. I'd probably move it up to best, because... Now, I'm surprised you have Antichrist in your good list, because, uh... Not because I think it's a bad movie, it's just pretty weird, and... Well, first of all, 
at first I was like, I don't even remember this movie. <clears throat> and you're like, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> and he's like, don't you remember Willem Dafoe? And then she beat him in the in his penis and then jacked him off and he ejaculated blood. I'm sorry for the graphic description. I was like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> That's why it's in the good list. It's not like I'd watch it over and over again. It's something so impactful. Mm-hmm. It had that little... You know, like, it, it, and then thinking back to that scene, I can start remembering the whole movie and what was going on, and I'm like, I really don't know exactly what the fuck was going on, but I was seeing, like, this downward spiral of this couple in, in living in their cabin, and it was kind of fucking crazy. Uh, next is the remake for The Grudge. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a, I think I've watched it maybe once or twice. It's okay. It's good. It's just, you know, good. It's medium. Jason X. That's another one. It's a medium one for me. I watched it once or twice. and Now, the next movie you haven't seen, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to probably buy that because it, it's, it never comes on anywhere. And I know that you really love it, so it probably actually go up in your list at some point. It's called Shadow of the Vampire with Defoe and John Malkovich. And I explained to you the whole premise of it and how he's shooting a movie for Nosferatu. And he's actually Nosferatu. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's like... no one knows it except for Malkovich, which makes it brilliant. Uh, Jeepers Creepers you have in there, the Scarecrow. Because um, when that came out, I don't even know if we were together yet. It was the early 2000s. And we've been together since 2002. Yeah. But I just remember the um, trailer. Really, really great. And I don't, you know, I, I seriously, I don't watch it a lot. I catch it if it's on TV. It's not something I'm going to pop in all the time. They're like up to three and four now. Right? And so. I've only seen the first one. So what I liked, though, was it was, like, just, like, scary. It was almost like, you know, fucking cornfields are scary <laughs> just in general, right? It's yeah. You can't see what's going on in them. People always use them in scary movies, especially, like, when you're trying to, like, zip and hide. And But, again, it's a goodish movie. It's not low enough to be average, but it's definitely not going up in my great rewatches. No, it has some pretty good gore, and I remember, too, and it has Justin Long, and, you know, so there's some, uh, him getting fucked up is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and I do good. love Justin Long, so. Uh, next one's the remake for Black Christmas 2006. I think I actually liked the original better. Most the people, one from most the se- wasn't it from the seventies or the eighties? Seventy four, yeah. Yeah, and they were they were like, I just feel like um, when you a lot of suspense from these types of movies, you get from the technology of the time. Yeah, the only drawback, and I, I don't have a problem with your rating ranking here, but the only drawback is at the end. Uh, the villain um, is like sort of like an orange color, and it didn't make any sense to me, and I don't know why. It just it Maybe doesn't a spray fit. tan. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But that, that's what. The, but that's really my only drawback. I'll get to why I like it more later because it is a little higher in my list. But uh, that's fine where you have it. Uh, Twenty eight days later. You know, infection, zombie, whatever. Valentine. See, I like this one, I think, more than you did because um, it was, you know, they had all those letters, right? And it it was before it became even scary or scary-ish because it's not really that scary. It was more of like... um, There's more just tension than that. Yeah, yeah. And it was more like 
a, um, what's the right word? A mystery. Mm-hmm. And then plus, what's the spaces in it? So, you know. Angel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Dead Silence. You and I went to see theaters see this, actually. <sighs> I probably cried during it. I am not big on ventriloquist dummies. Yeah, we, um, we torture ourselves with this kind of film. So, I know I've seen... This is why it ends up in good, though. That's why I'm not going to put it in poor, because... No, I, I, yeah, I find it impactful. I, it's like, you don't forget it. <laughs> it that's, that's what I mean. Like, I don't want to make it great, because I'm never going to watch it again. I mean, fucking... That sort of... You know, I'll give some spoilers away, but the, the, towards the end, when, like, the human puppet, like, that was so insane. Mm-hmm. Like, some of that shit is just crazy. It's, it's, it's an off-the-wall fucking movie. It's great. And that's what I mean. Again, I'm never going to watch it because I get really upset about ventriloquist dummies. Um, but it's not a bad movie. That's why it goes in my, like, middle of the road. It, it did good. For me, when you're getting up to great and best, these are things I'm going to watch and watch. And, and watch. the last one in your good list is Ghost Ship, and you explained that. Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna watch it again, but that kind of goes with you just the, opening scene and shut yeah. It off. <laughs> I mean, that kind of goes with the Antichrist thing, where you have something so impactful that you're like, "This is, you know, I'm doing the okay sign for all of you out there." Yeah. Okay. All right, uh, what's your good, baby? All right, Bubba Hotep. You have it that low? (laughs) (gasps) It is a good film. It is. Mm. Uh, It's not one of Campbell's strongest movies. I'm talking to you. But it is really good. Uh, May, which I really enjoy, is in there as well. Dracula 2000, of course. Uh, Zombies Halloween. 2001 Maniacs. Willard. She's going to throw a brick at me here in a Mm -hmm. minute. Uh, Trick or Treat Anthology, I know that's probably going to be sacrosanct to some people. Mm-hmm. But c- keep in mind, this is all on my good list, so it's like it's not like it's trash, nothing like that. Jason X, very underrated. Uh, Dark Water, the original. I did not like the remake. The original is why I put the original in here, is because it's actually better than the remake. So, um, Didn't they base that um, sort of off of that true story about the woman yeah. who climbed into the tank, the yeah. tank in LA and yeah. then they were getting water so yeah that's what I found super interesting right uh, Blair Witch 2 which I actually find better than the first one uh, that because it has Jeffrey Donovan who's great in it anyway but Zombieland I have in there mm. Mm. <laughs> Pitch Black Land mm. of the Dead you Pitch Black that low? yeah I yeah I think I liked... I think you like Riddick better. Yeah. I mean, I do like Pitch Black a lot, but I, I don't know if I consider it like a really great, great, great movie. It's it's good, but... Mm-hmm. Land of the Dead. Freddy vs. Jason. Shit's just gonna get killed. <laughs> Lake Mungo. Dead Silence is the same as you in there. 30 Days of Night. She's gonna throw another brick at me. Mm-hmm. The Village. Wow. These are all on the good list of, so... That means you're good. You're good. You get a star. All right. Neko's great list. So, start me off. I can't tell what that picture is. Ginger Snaps. I do like Ginger Snaps. You actually showed me this for the Mm -hmm. first time. Um, 
I, first of all, again, take it out of the werewolf concept. It's a really good story. Like, between the two sisters. Yeah. Like, the two I always, actresses have some great chemistry. When you have that kind of chemistry, and that's what I was saying before about uh, Dawn of the Dead, when we were on the verses a couple of weeks ago. Or even last night when we were talking about Near Dark, how, like, Near Dark in terms of vampire movies is very unique. This is a very unique take on the werewolf world. It really is. It's like, she feels like she's almost going through puberty. And that's what was confusing her, because she's in high school, and she's like, what the fuck is going on, dude? Uh-huh. Trick or Treat. Which, I love all the little anthologies, and I love that little guy. I don't yeah. know what he is. He's like half Scarecrow, half Pumpkin, I don't know. <laughs> Dawn of the Dead remake. I do like the Dawn of the Dead remake. It's good. It's, it is. It's, it's good. I was pleasantly I'm, surprised. I'm good when with it, it. When it comes to like remakes, that's one of the better ones that are out there. And that was the funny part, though, because we've seen the remake clearly, and we've seen the original when we were doing the verses, and I hadn't seen the original in a while, and I feel like the original's beginning is way better than the remake's beginning, but the I was confused about the original because I'm like, I haven't seen this in a while, and I'm like... Yeah, you're like, what the fuck, isn't this the one with the shopping mall? And then you're like, yeah, it's coming. Just, just... We haven't got there yet. But I, I liked the remake, too, because they kept... It wasn't like they were trying to be shot for shot exactly the same, and that's what I liked about it, because they still kept the entire feeling, like they're in the shopping mall, shit's going down, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. but well, the beginning was very 70s. Right. This was very early 2000s, just right. the way that things were happening. But, like, the cool thing about the remake was, for me, and probably you, because we hadn't seen 20 Days Later yet. That was kind of like a a British film that had come out before Dawn of the Dead, but no one really knew about it. And once Dawn came out, it, it introduced me, probably you, to the Faster Zombies, and we were like, oh, shit. Fast motherfucking bullshit zombies. Zombies are not I'm that like, fast. They don't have the ability to be that fast. Like, they can't be that but fast. They had just changed the game. Like, I was like, oh god, we can't even get away from anymore because they can chase us down. Oh, and we have to, like, bring this up with our movie people because I have so many zombie and vampire questions. Like, yeah, right. So, like, with the zombies, and I'm we asking. Need to, we need to do that with fucking Aaron. Aaron would have all your answers. So, I'm asking this to our audience as well. When it comes to zombies, is it better to move as far north as you can tolerate so that they freeze and then they you know they may never decompose but they're they will freeze they're not going to seek out shelter because they're zombies they'll just be frozen or is it better to go as far south as possible as you can tolerate like right at the equator where it's so hot that because they're already decomposing they're just going to be outside again not going into air conditioning and they will decompose and no longer exist that is my zombie question of the day <laughs> uh, House of a Thousand Corpse so we did that one Well, that see for me you put that lower I put it up a little bit higher just because I um, I'm a big Office fan I love Rain Wilson and I love when I find stuff that Rain Wilson is in and he's not Dwight Schrute right and he was really good uh, in this movie and I, I feel like and I don't think he cares at this point because he's just cashing those Office syndication checks from Netflix and from whoever else, NBC, who owns The Office. But this is a time where he was really 
you know, honing his acting chops, right? He was doing this. He was in that movie, America's Sweethearts, that, God bless you, that, I, he bought me this movie because I was sick. I was homesick, really, really sick, and he bought, went to the drugstore, bought me medicine, and I guess they had that just sitting at the checkout, and he bought it, and it was, it's really hysterical. If, if you like weird rom-coms, because what, what the fuck, the guy, I can't remember his name, um... Cusack? Yeah, John Cusack's in it, so it's really fucking funny, and like, a little unhinged, but Rain Wilson was in it, too. So when I see something with him where he's still, like, honing his acting chops, because from what I understand, the whole Dwight Schrute character, he is not at all the same as the British office counterpart. Like, he did it his own way, and I'm like, I like seeing, you know, different styles. And of course, like, I think the first time I saw it was with you, and it was gross, and I love gross, so... Uh, Zombieland. I love this movie, and I like the the follow-up we just saw not that long ago, too. Yeah. I I thought it was hysterical. I thought... I think a lot of people get annoyed with uh, What's-His-Face, um, the curly-haired... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People get annoyed with him. But for me, when I, when I first saw it, I peed my pants laughing, so... Then you have Pitch Black. Which... It's just a little bit higher than what you put, but we love those Riddick movies. Fido. Fido was great because. Yeah, I had never seen anything like it. I mean, we were kind it of. It has Trinity from The Matrix in it, yeah. and she's like, it's like we all have pet zombies, and we've learned how to control them. I'm like, mm hmm, right. Yeah, it's like beautiful. They can do yard work and everything else. They'll be your helper. 30 Days of Night. So, 30 Days of Night was terrifying. To me but also very intriguing because I've always wanted to visit somewhere and I have been that far north in my life but I've never been to like during the seasons where it's either light all day or dark because um, it was like October and then the other time it was like May when I've been that far north where you would get those like insane crazy long hours or darkness that's what kind of put, it was great, and it was gory, and it was wonderful, but the whole concept that vampires, you know, because they're smart, and they're cunning, and they're, you know, sexy and suave, they're smart enough to know where to go, and what to do, and they, they put that plan into action, and they zipped on up to Alaska and fucking took out of town. Final destination. So, I've only seen the first one. And it gets... No, you've seen the second one. Have I? Which one's the second one? The, the logs that fall off the truck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anything with Final Destination, like, it's it kind of is with the ghost ship thing, where there's such an impactful... Uh... Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, the opening with the, you know, the plane blowing up, mm -hmm. that's, that's something that sticks with you, and, you know, the fact that they're all kind of looking at him like he's crazy, because he, he saw it before it happened, and managed to get off the plane... He's like, yeah, I gotta go to the bath. I'll be right back. But then, like, you know, yeah, they, you know, had some good characters in there and good acting. Um, you know, I, I had it lower on my list just because it's not something I watch a lot, but I do remember liking it a lot when it came out. And I would probably, like, 
put the second one up there too because I, I forgot that the logs were in the second one. I thought I thought the logs were in the first one. Mm. Now this next one's sacrilege. Dog soldiers. It's in great. Should be in best. Well, it uh, this is another one you introduced me to. Um, really, really, really great acting. Really great. Um, it's a it's a good werewolf story. <laughs> Again, with the storytelling, a little bit different than your typical wolfman turns into a werewolf and decides when the full moon is out he's just gonna go out and rape and pillage and eat. It's pretty interesting how they took you know, you know, soldiers so they're on a training mission but it turns out that shit starts going sideways and then you figure out that it's not just one werewolf, it's a bunch of fucking werewolves and there's a werewolf family and a werewolf le- yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shyamalan's The Village. So I, I didn't agree that this was a scary movie because I did not get one scare out of it. However, M that is that what he goes by? M, M. Shyamalan. He's like, I'm real. He he always has those really great twists, like The Sixth Sense, and um, this. So signs. Signs, yeah. and the thing with this one though, again, was kind of like. The culmination and the ending where everybody was open everybody had those those foot lockers those little locked boxes and you saw them and nobody really talked about them but kind of at the end where they're all opening them and then they're like it's like their driver's license and their birth certificate they all had tragedy mm-hmm. and they had the clippings in there and you're like what the fuck what the fuck is going on so that that's why it kind of like went up to my grade yeah, I mean, story-wise, it's brilliant, um, and it's classic Sean. I, I think you and I were in agreement that he'd kind of gone kind of, like, bland when it came to, like, The Lady in the Water or The Happening. Those weren't really good films. It, it, he kind of missed what he was really good at, and then when he did um, Glass, like, he got back to that, and it was yeah, really good, yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's a good film. Um, then, okay, next is Underworld. The original. It was the OG. so impactful, and I loved like the whole story that they're trying to find this special. It stole my story. Ble- <laughs> find the special. Seriously, they stole my story. Well, did you did you tell them about it? No, or? I didn't copyright that shit. And oh, I should have. I sorry. had this idea. Of werewolves versus vampires back in 1990, and I should have just did something. I, with I it. know, but like this one, they get a little intricate, and they're trying to like follow the bloodline to find out that they can get the super perfect like hybrid. Yeah. Super perfect, wonderful. And then <laughs> last one for you is one missed call. I really like this one is because when you I forgot about it. It mm-hmm. was getting ready to go down an average. I'm like, what the fuck is this about? And you're like, don't you remember? And then I remembered all the crazy text messages and all and like every time they answered it you like would see your death before yeah. it happens. And then their nose would bleed and I'm yeah. like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Alright. My gray list. Underworld Evolution, the second one of the group. Hollow Man. That fucking movie. Yeah, it's very, very good. Bacon was great in it. Elizabeth Shue was great in it. Uh, Rona Mitra is great in it. <laughs> uh, the Ring remake. See, see, you, I should be yelling at you. You should, should be high, motherfucker. No, it's, it's in my grade. I know, so great is, great is, is 
Better great. than good. Uh, the Grudge remake. I really enjoyed that a lot. I do like the original of that, but I think I like the remake a little more. They just, America has a way of, especially when it came to both The Ring and, uh, they didn't do a good, great, great job with the Dark Water one, but with The Ring and Grudge, they did a really good job of remaking those films. I think what... I don't know why they keep trying to remake it. They just rebooted The Grudge again and it did horribly, but I don't know why they want to do that. I, I think what, what, what I'm totally on your side with some of these, too, because what they do is they remake it so that it's not like, again, a shot for shot off of the Asian one, but it's rethought out of what would make sense in America. Right. And that's what I feel those two, they were a little bit more careful with. Uh, I also have, like you, Dawn of the Dead remake in here. Mm -hmm. Shadow of the Vampire. Said enough about that already. Exorcism of Emily Rose. I thought Carpenter was amazing in this. Um, it's very creepy. Her, I don't know if it's CGI or if it's actually her acting. She is kind of a thin and frail woman, so her way of, like, sort of distorting her body in some of these scenes was, like, really cool and, like, just scary as fuck. <laughs> Uh, Christmas, Black Christmas remake, I, it's one of my, it's actually my favorite of any of them that are out there, uh, even though it was original, uh, mainly because I just, I like the acting more, and the, the women, or the girls actually look like sorority girls in this one, as opposed to the original, where they kind of look like older college but people. But see, that, I don't know if I was talking to you about this, or if I was talking to, to a friend of mine, what I've found and you'll look back at pictures from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and the, you know, 16 to 25-year-olds all look the same. They look like they're, and it's just styling of the clothes, styling of the hair. It's what the time period suggested. As you hit the 90s, like, the whole teenager thing really takes more of a split and you really, and this is what you're saying about the sorority girls, you really see the difference between a girl in college in the 90s is going to look a lot different than a girl not in college the same age and a girl who is now a woman working in the workforce. Um, for me, what I really appreciated about the original um, was they, and, and this is another thing with remakes, like, I, you know, some of these movies, they get really, um, they get really scary because they're basing it off of the technology of the time. They're basing it off, and that's why I kind of felt like the original was more unique and a little bit scarier because... Well, one reason why people like the original more is because there is a, actually is no answer as to who's actually doing the killing. Mm -hmm. people, a lot of people like that aspect. They don't want to know who it is. In this one, they actually give you a villain that they uh, can refer to as who's doing the killing. Uh, my next one, very underrated Slither. Um, you definitely need to see it again. Um, well, you know how I am about worms, so... <laughs> worms! It's like an updated version of The Creeps, almost. Um, then we have 28 Days Later, which is a very good zombie film in its own right. And now I'm going to go into my best list before we get to yours. Okay. Uh, definitely the best of the Underworld series, Rise of the Lichens. Yes. We kind of knew that before we went to see the theater. Cause we were hyped up so much, and was... I think we've seen it more than any of the other Underworlds. Yeah, it, just, it focuses more on the werewolf part of the 
the battles and uh, what, how it became what it was. Uh, I do have Underworld in there as well, the original. It's still a very good film. I really like that a lot. Great opening. Uh, Kate Beckinsale is amazing in that film. Uh, she's amazing in the second one, too. I did, the rest after that, after three, it just didn't matter anymore. Ginger Snaps, top five werewolf movie of all time. Shaun of the Dead is definitely up in there. One of the best Dude. horror comedies. And they kind of introduced us to Simon Pegg and the hilarity that he... This even. movie, I have... I, I don't have enough words to like describe this movie of how... Again, we're going to talk about the relationships. He and his girlfriend, and she's irritated with him. And then his mom and his stepdad. Well, and then all it, because, you know, you have both Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. And Frost being Pegg's friend is always kind of interrupting this time between Pegg and his girlfriend. Because like, they're playing video games. Right. It's or going that, to the pub. The pub. Instead of taking her to real restaurants like he's supposed to. He tries, but he always forgets. And then... They end up right back at the pub, and Frost is there with his character, and so it's like this big ordeal. So basically, she's like, you need to grow up. Now, in the midst of this, the next day, there's like, uh, something happens, and zombies start taking over the world. And it, But it, it's done so fun, because they don't even know half the shit that's going on. They notice things are different, but they're not sure what the Yeah, he like goes down to the uh, convenience store, and he's like getting orange juice and milk, and he's and It's like, just like another day for him, but then he's like... like a, str- a, a random person walking like a zombie. He's like, what's going on? <laughs> uh, Fido, again, I really think it's an original zombie movie. So for those that have not seen it, it's, it's worth your while to check it out. Uh, Let the Right One In, original vampire uh, film. There's a remake that we'll be getting to in the next uh, tier rankings. Because it happened after 2010. But... Uh, very clever, very well done, and well acted in that film. And then, of course, Dog Soldiers. It's w- top three. It's, it's, top one, it's one of your top movies in general. Yeah. So, definitely, uh, those are on my best list. So, now, to Neko's. Alright, so the first one of mine, I can, I can actually read it, is Willard. And I... You know, this is a remake, I know. And I know there's, like, Ben and all the other ones that came out in the 70s, but... We went to see this in the movie theater and immediately went to the pet store and bought a rat. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know if that says I have some, like, psychopath tendencies or whatever, but we... And we named our rat Anubis, and he was really awesome, and I honestly... Sometimes I feel a little bad because they say that rats actually like to have buddies, and I we should have got him a buddy. But he lived a long time, and we talked to him and played with him every day. So like he was pretty cool. He'd take a nap, and but Willard is so high on my list because Socrates. Yeah, Socrates. And then when no, I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to cry. So I'm a, as you can tell, I'm like really into animals. And when something with animals, like, really pulls me in, it just, uh it gets me right here. So I loved Willard. I loved it. I loved... Well, Crispin Glover was great in it, and the part... it's another one of those where the remake is probably equally as good as the original. The part where he gets off the elevator and he's, like, the Pied Piper and has, like, all the rats, like, down him. See, that's the other thing, too, like, for me, is I actually love rats, and I think they're really intelligent. Yeah. adorable and then 
But then we have some around our house that we don't want that. Well, that's the other thing, too. I, um, I'm trying to do the whole, like, avoidance thing where, like, we lock up our trash and we try not to, like, keep... Because it's a ton of people in our neighborhood and a ton of people who... And it's just too... too don't take, they don't take care of their shit. Yeah, so. so there's too many rats. And I'm like, I love you guys. However... You need to, like, stop reproducing, and people need to, like, because some, too many. Anyway, next I have Rise of the Lichens, and and again, love, 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 love. I think I've watched that one more than any of the other ones. Next, I have Bubba Hotep, and I don't even consider this a horror movie. It's, It's more of, like, a comedy to me. But again, Bruce Campbell's one of those people like uh, Robert England. Almost everything that he does, I'm going to give it like two giant thumbs up and it's going to go on my great list and it'll be something I watch. And, you know, if you don't know the premise, Bruce Campbell is playing Elvis, like the real Elvis who he found a lookalike and he was tired of being famous. So he traded places with the lookalike. And now this is an aging Elvis in a retirement home. And now he is fighting um, an Egyptian, an Egyptian mummy. mummy. So it's it's ridiculous, but I love it. The next one is The Ring. The Ring. Remake, yeah. And The Ring is probably the first movie that has scared me like out of my mind in a very, very, very long time. He and I were dating. And that's how, you know, it was like, what, 2002 or three when we saw it? Three, I think. And... Yeah for a movie to scare me like that because movies scare me but like not like that and I never watched it again until recently when we did it on one of our retro DVD vaults a couple weeks ago never watched it again not once not one second still effective still effective and the fact that I remembered almost the entire movie and I hadn't seen it since like 2003 it shows you what a good movie it is scared the living shit out of me we had to move we were in the basement and we had to go three levels up. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of dark down here. Why don't we go up into my bedroom and sleep? Because it was fucking scary. <laughs> <laughs> the next one, I can't read. Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. We just talked about that. Again, hysterical. Two thumbs up. Saw. Saul gets this high for me for Saul and then Saul 2. I don't know if it was in the 2010s or not, but I kind of lumped them both together. After Saul 2, I feel like it gets a little bit, um, like... Repetitive. Not repetitive, but, like... Like I said about, uh, the new Suspiria, like a huge jack-off session. <laughs> They're, like, just really trying to be as gross and... So the first one... Almost reminded me of Seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it that. was like a mystery. It was thinking of things. And then it's like, what the fuck is happening? Oh, I got a key in my stomach or this or that. So same thing with Saul 2. And the part where they fall in the needles, I like could feel the needles poking me all over the place. That's Saul 2. Saul 1, the famous, I'm going to slice off my leg bullshit, whatever. Mm. Have fun with that. It's impactful and it kind of really kicked off the um that short-lived era of um torture yeah the torture gore the torture it's not porn but like you had hostel and Mm -hmm. all those other uh kind of the the human centipede which we didn't put on um human centipede i've only seen the first one and it's 
I, I'm, I sound like a, a horror, I love disgusting things and, you know, ask them out and they have to go to the bathroom through each other and through the heated moment you never go yeah ask you them never out. go ask the mouth it's, no <laughs> but that's that's what i mean like it, saw was the one that kicked off this whole like torture gore thing now granted stuff like that has been out for a while but shit it really was that impactful and i don't i, I probably have watched it twice and for me to remember like here's a clue and this is what you have to do and now we're gonna saw off our leg all right next one land of the dead Love Land of the Dead. Love Land of the Dead. I love that one zombie who's the um, the guy who does the uh, gas station. Yeah. He's, and it also, we're learning about this when we see in um, Day of the Dead how they're getting smarter. Yeah, they pick up old habits and memory. Because and... they're like, okay, well, you know, they were talking about this in Day of the Dead and um, a little bit in Dawn of the Dead where they kind of say, okay, well, they retain like 3% of brain activity. That they don't is... know why they're here. They just want to be here. So you'll see um, in all of them, it kind of triggers things slowly. And that's what I kind of, with the whole, with the whole, franchise you you kind of see how it grows like all right i'm not just a zombie i have like electrodes and synapses firing in my brain and i remember i used to pump gas or i used to shoot a gun or i used to do this but now i'm figuring things out i'm watching and i'm learning a little bit now granted they're zombies so you're not gonna like teach a zombie how to tap dance like in young frankenstein however <laughs> I, when, when, um, we should do a whole, like, fucking Gene Wilder <laughs> tier. Like, we should totally. Okay, the Gene Wilder. We should. Um, the thing that I actually, again, who did Land of the Dead? Who was the director? Romero. Okay, so that's why it's good. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, again, with, with the, a little bit of the social commentary. You've got yeah, these, these rich, rich people who can afford to get away from everybody yeah, they're on this like little a... island. Yep. And they're able to have an apartment and live life as usual and go get groceries. So if you, when you see in Dawn of the Dead where they're fucking around in the, um, in the shopping mall and they're like, oh, look, we got all this money. It doesn't matter anymore. Well, it, it does in uh, Land of the Dead because it's like, oh, well... You have how much money? We can get you a place. You can get a job and work here. We can keep things rolling. You can eat food. We, we've got it all covered. It was impactful. Yeah. All right, next. <laughs> next is Freddy versus Jason. There is only... The, the only part I didn't like was the very end part with uh, while he's holding his head. Really? Yeah, I thought that was dumb. But otherwise, like... I thought that was good because it really that kind he of he like winked. He's like, ah. Yeah, well, but it just reminds you that Freddy is still just a dream demon, and, and like, so is Jason. Well, Jason's not a dream demon though; he's an actual being. How is he an actual being after he's been killed a million times? He's an actual being though. He's not like Freddy. Really, is kind of like just a ghost, and uh, 
even though you can bring him into the real world, he eventually he's still just a ghost. That's why he's been able to survive all his own deaths over the years. But that was kind of the point, like because he exists in your mind, right? But oh, you're you're getting you're getting deep on me today. <laughs> but like you know, these guys are immortal in their own way. So like even Jason doesn't just die; he comes back. He finds ways. And they've explored that throughout other Friday the Thirteenth films, where even though it's not really my favorite type of film, the the I forget which uh, movie it was, but they used it as like some sort of black ooze that was corrupted with like the soul of Jason or something that can inflict anybody. It was almost like the Fallen type of thing where you could possess other bodies. And uh, that what we didn't even put that on our tier maker. Nah. Well, I guess it's not really a horror movie. It's more of like a suspense movie. I mean, I could have, but just, you know, you only have so many Mm -hmm. things to choose from. But uh, it had that kind of vibe about it. Uh, Then your last one is Hollow Man. Kevin Bacon is an American treasure. (laughs) He was born literally on the exact same day as my mother. Same age, same birthday. Maybe even the same exact time. But Hollow Man fucking crazy like it just it's got the mad scientist vibe it's got like you know hot elizabeth shoe hot yeah hot elizabeth shoe vibe but for me i started thinking about it because we we also saw that in the um the not not is it the league of extraordinary gentlemen with uh sean connery Mm-hmm. Is that okay? So they have the uh, Invisible Man in there, yeah, too. Yeah. So you start thinking about, like, how awesome it would be to be able to just get away with whatever because you're not seen. But then you also start, like, it, it, it's it's a mind fuck. And it's also, like, kind of like what goes on with vampires they know that there's nothing that can stop them except for sunlight and like a stake through the heart or some silver that cuts their head you know there's like very limited and they're like we're so powerful and you start getting that power trip too while you're naked Kevin Bacon running around which is awesome as well and, uh, yeah he realized that one he was kind of going nuts because the solitude yeah well the solitude plus apparently because he wasn't visible he had no eyelids, so he couldn't sleep. So there's like this mm-hmm. sense of craziness that would happen. So he would go out, uh, and then of course when he wanted to drive or anything, he had to put this like crazy. Scary oh, that's right, the makeup, the stage makeup. And uh, it was really creepy. Uh, but then it also allowed him, as Neko said, to start being very devious, and so like. Rona Mitri, who has like a smaller role in this, she's the woman that he ends up raping, and uh, and it's really creepy because it just shows you that you know once you start going down this line, because initially they were trying to do this, can't remember what the cause was, they were trying to do it for good, and basically once he became you know invisible, it was all great and everything, but at the same time, it's like it does lead to more darker intentions. Because you know that you can't be found. So, and it kind of opened the door for a lot of the stuff that we see now. Now, even now, 
with the remake that recently came out, um, they handle it a little differently in terms of how the person becomes invisible, which is clever. It's a unique way to take it. I don't think I saw that, and it has my girl in it. Yeah. It's, it's worth a watch. It's pretty decent. Uh, in fact, I think the girls that did Popcorn and Bed just watched it recently, actually. Uh, so for me, let me ask you this question regarding your tier. A lot of times for me, when I first start doing it, it's it's kind of like a uh, first gut reaction, like where I want to put them. And then you saw a couple of times where, because he needs to help me read the little teeny tiny print. Um, I'll I'll stop and be like, okay, because I had Hollow Man not in best, I had it in great, and I'm like, how many times did I watch this damn movie? <laughs> so I slid it up to best because I'm like. That kind of indicates a best movie for me because if I'm gonna rewatch you, like no, I'd, I'd re, I'd back that. And like I said, a lot of times when you do your rankings, like I know, like I know immediately, Lost Boys would be like a best film for you. Oh, There's certain it was. Films. Don't you remember? You always talked about Hollow Man. You always talked about loving Hollow Man. It's like I didn't, I did not expect it to be any lower than you had it. So it's not, and I had it in great. So it's not like it was. It's not like it's a bad movie. I'm just. Wondering what your um, what your strategy is for ranking these as well. Is it like you do with me, where I'm like, I take my gut reaction, and then I'll read through it and be like, oh, well, maybe this one should go a little bit higher, and this one... I think in the, in the big grand scheme of things, like, for me, when it comes to a lot of films I like, like, really like, they'll be in great. Like, I keep my best list for, like, the best of the best, like, stuff that I just revere so much that like even if i like stuff in the great they're just not in that level it doesn't mean they're not good i still watch them a lot but there's only certain films i'm kind of a elitist by doing that i'm but, an elitist uh, my name is scott I'm yeah so but like i just have certain films that i just put above everything else and that's why my rankings are like that so like i said though when it comes to my poor tier it doesn't necessarily mean they're bad it's just that like those are like the last films that I would watch above everything else that I've got going on. And see, on. for me, the poor tier is I'll never watch it. Mm -hmm. Ever. It's eye bleach. Alright. That was fun. Thanks yes. for doing this again with me. Thanks for helping me read, We too. got one more to go. We don't know when we'll get to it. Maybe next week. Maybe not. But, I guess uh, it depends on, like, the whole... Uh, time. Yeah. Time. I do have the, uh... The movies listed so i have to send that to you just so you can verify what you've seen what and you then want. i'm gonna if, if you know what and i should have did this before i should have said something and been like hey hello friend uh why not because i was like when we were talking about um fallen like i'm I, we should have put fallen in there because i would have ranked that really high and i love the part where he's like you don't even know who the rolling stones are do you yeah <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get to a black metal block here with some good stuff. Brand new stuff from Wright. Actually, it's, it's actually Rat. R-A-A-T. Dodds Drift. And we're going to kick it off with some Introspectiva. Navigator. Very cool stuff.
Patrick from the Canadian Press Middle that we had made and you're listening to Middle Tavern Radio. This is the Retro Movie Vault with your hosts DJ Anubis and DJ Neko only on Metal Tavern Radio. You haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these. Well, what about these two? Well, they suck. These are the same two movies? You weren't paying any attention. No, I wasn't. I don't think your manager would appreciate it. I appreciate it. your ruse, ma'am. I beg your pardon? Your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me. Alright. We are back. DJ Nubis. And we are going to talk about my pick of the week. Retro. DVD movie vault. So, I've never seen this movie. Nope. I knew that going in. Or any of, because he said it's a trilogy, so I, mm-hmm. I, like, I never heard of it, and it was funny because it was like two nights ago, and you know how when you turn on a DVD, it just keeps playing, like, the loop? So I'm cooking in the kitchen, I'm like, alright, didn't mean any soon, blah, 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 blah. and I keep hearing this, like, really awesome song, like, playing over and over again, I was like, well, if this song is in the movie, it's gotta be a good movie. And what I really, like, kind of, um, I, you gave me the the concept, and then it just kind of unfolded in front of my face. That's the best way to put it. Yeah, apparently, uh, I did not notice, but I'm kind of reading it now. There's a post-credit scene, uh, live-action, hand-drawn animation, uh, where it says it's a short similar to the plot of Where the Wild Things Are of Darlin on a sailboat. Sailing alone in an open sea before arriving at a beach that is close to a forest. As Darlin explores the vast wilderness, she encounters a bizarre humanoid entity. Instead of being afraid of the creature, she becomes fascinated by it and she hugs it, and it begins to bloom flowers around its body. Darlin accepts the flower and the two become friends. The scene symbolizes Darlin leaving her old life behind and starting a new life with the woman. Basically, this is a movie in 2011. It's actually uh, the sequel, second movie in a trilogy. With the first movie being Offspring. And then the third uh, film that came out in 2019 called Darlin. Uh, This is in the middle. This is actually the first one I saw. I actually went back later after I saw this and saw Offspring somehow. Um, basically, you could actually watch this film as a standalone. It wouldn't really hurt you in any well, way. Well, that, that's kind of like what you're, you're saying to me. You're like, this is totally 
supposedly a, a standalone movie, and it was. I, I didn't know anything going into it, and I didn't feel anything, like, uh, any worry about mm -hmm. understanding what was going on. Right, and so it's a film directed by Lucky McKee and uh, stars Pollyanna McIntosh. Uh, McIntosh would actually go on and be the director of Darling, the, the third one in the series. Uh, but she's a really good actress. Also has Angela Bettis, Sean Bridgers, Lauren Ashley Carter. And what we the premise of this is, without getting into the other two movies, uh, you guys can choose to watch those if you wish. Uh, like I said, you can watch this and still enjoy it just by itself. Uh, the woman basically is uh, a feral woman who's out in the middle of the woods, uh, surviving on her own. And we have this family of white, rich people out in the he's, boonies. He's a, like a state's attorney, I think is what I gathered. Right. Uh, he's also, you know, your avid hunter and stuff like that. But he, uh, he has... A wife, uh, a son, and a, two daughters. Right, and uh, basically, he ends up coming across the woman by a distance because he's out hunting one day and sees her, and he then takes it upon himself he's to like, capture Damn, her. Girl. <laughs> right, because she's in the stream cleaning herself and showing her boobies and everything else um but he can tell that she's feral like he just knows the way that she's living that she's eating raw fish and all this other stuff so he takes it upon himself to capture her and take her back to the house only he's got this like uh sub shelter and towards where the barn is and uh he puts her down there and chains her up he has her in one of those things like when you're getting ready to gut a deer. Right. That's exactly, I don't know the name of the contraption, but that's what he puts her in. Right. Uh, this is after he tranquilized her and everything because she would bite his ass and actually eventually does. She did. The, the first time that he goes to, you know, look at her, he's putting his finger around her mouth. <laughs> he thinks she's knocked out. She takes his uh, wedding finger and bites it off and eats it right in front of her and then spits out the ring. Uh, you already know you're in for a tree when that happens because he's like pissed off. He's like, that's not good. Not good at all. I'm kind of pissed off about you. <laughs> right. So, but uh, he ends up bringing the family uh, down to see her and they're kind of like, what the fuck is going on? Because the, the oldest daughter, Peggy, uh, there's some issues we'll get into in a minute with her, but... Uh, they're all just, the mother is just kind of like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> He's like, well, we're going to civilize this woman. It, it, this is his, like, task that he decided he's going to take on. and uh, Yeah, he's going to make her better. Right, like, he wants to bring her from feral to being a human again, in his words. So, of course, they go through all this stuff where they're cleaning her up, and it's kind of uncomfortable for the wife, you know, because you guys strip her down, and this guy's not afraid to see this woman naked. We start to learn that the father is really kind of a, what would you call it, a masochist? Masochist. The masochist. Psychopath. Uh, yeah, he, uh, he has problems, and, uh, and it seems to be rubbing off on his son. He is totally emulating everything that daddy does, and he witnesses what his dad does and then he looks at his mom and his sisters as weak right like and he gives zero respect 
to either one of them. Right, and then we see it also when he's at school. Uh, he loses like a, a, a three-throw uh, contest to a girl who plays basketball. And, uh, and he goes back into class and he's kind of pouting. And then he, he sees her bag over at the other desk, takes the gummies chewing and puts it in her brush. And then, of course, the girl gets it caught in her hair when she's brushing. He pretends that he's helping her out or whatever. But he's very mischievous, and you can tell he's very deviant. Um, he's very interested in the the woman that they caught. You know, he's like, "Can we keep her?" And you know, the father's like, oh, "Of course," you know. And anyway, we, the, on the other side of this, we have a wife who's very fearful of the husband. She does everything else, brings him beers, does the cooking, does all this and that. The two girls are pretty much, you know, we got like the oldest daughter, but then the youngest one. Um, she's really young, too, maybe about six. Yeah. Peggy, the oldest one, uh, she's a teen. Uh, she's been kind of been, uh, what would you say? Uh, I feel like. Falling back into herself. Like she was someone who was pretty outgoing, friendly, dressing prettily. Now, since she's wearing baggy clothes, she's being reclusive. She's not uh, talking much. She's not doing very well in school anymore. Sure, her mind's off somewhere else. And she's also, you know, like, she's 16, so she's really, she's the oldest, and she's really starting to understand that the way she's being raised is not right. Right. So, we know that there's some problems here, and Neko and I, and especially if anyone who's watched this, you pick up on it pretty quick of what's probably going to be going on or what's been happening with her. Uh, so then the side part of this, she has one particular teacher, a woman who takes interest in her, her, her well-being and, uh, you know, is trying to help her out to open up a little bit. She doesn't want to at first. Um, meanwhile, we get back to, uh, the woman who's chained up in this, uh, this shed and, uh, basically... He's got her cleaned up. There, there's, a few, there's a few times where they, like, they're trying to clean her. He's using, like, a power washer on her. And, like, that really disturbs the shit out of the oldest daughter who... And she, she turns it off. Right, because it's literally hurting this woman that he's trying to clean up. Like, it's just... This guy has no... He gives no fucks about women in general. Like, it gets worse and worse as this movie goes on. And, uh, yeah, once he gets her cleaned up, they put her in a dress that the wife has. And, uh... I think there there is a point after the power washing that the woman kind of understands enough to know that she's got to watch what she's doing because she is a prisoner and the more she tries to fuck with this dude, the more pain he's going to inflict on her. And then one night, uh, the husband gets out of bed and he goes to the shed at night and he actually has sex with a woman. Like, it's just his way of, I guess, more dominance and... Being outside he of his... He rapes her. Let's use the right well, word. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but we... You know, she knew what was going to happen. She didn't even fight it. She just let it happen. Um, well, she can't fight it. Oh, she would if she was loose. We know this. <laughs> the point is, is that she knows what he's there for. And she's going to go ahead and let him do it. And chances are, like, I, I sort of took it as... She knows that she's, he's going to rape her, but she she's the kind of person, this kind of does draw back to the first movie, 
procreate. That's what she wants to do. She wants kids. Mm -hmm. So she's probably like, okay, yeah, I got to drop a load in me. <laughs> you know, I want to have a kid. I don't, I'm not going to have you around to worry about it. Uh, while that's happening, the son also sneaks out and he's peeking through the, the shed door and he's looking at what's going on. And uh, she's very aware, the woman, very aware of what's going on around her. She can tell the boy's watching and everything else. And so it's even sort of more obvious when the husband gets back in the bed with the wife. The wife was awake the whole time. She knew what was going on and she's distraught, but she can't do anything about it. And I feel like without going into too many things just in life in general, but, you know, when it comes to the end with what happens with the woman and the, and the mother slash wife, you know, at one point the mother was really like, this can't, I can't live like this anymore. This can't happen. And she just, but she just never, she let it go on for so long. And she is, to a point, responsible for this, too. Mm -hmm. Letting him turn into a monster with these kids. Yeah, and I'm starting to get to that. Um, Sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, so, at one point, the teacher that's concerned about Peggy decides to show up at the house because she tried calling, can't get through. And she's the, the the teacher's actually noticing that Peggy is pregnant. This is the one of the key moments of the film. And at this point, Peggy's really not dating anybody, so you can put two and two together here. <laughs> and so, teacher shows up and shows concern. Now, teacher doesn't realize or even think that it's the father. Like she, you know, this is a a family that looks like the perfect picturesque family in the world like a nice house everything you rent things in order sharp dressed people uh so she's like saying you know is peggy dating anyone and she starts telling the father because we, what we missed before this is what neck was getting at was there was an incident with the, the son who while everyone was out away except for peggy or the mother i can't remember which um he Peggy goes, was home because she didn't feel good. Right. And then he had a half a day at school, so he came home by himself. And, didn't and she heard all the shit going on. So what happened was the son, I think it's Brian, his name, he, w he went to the shed and confronted the woman. And he, like, just, he wanted to torture her. So he took some pliers and he was pinching her with her body, uh, kind of raping her. He was jacking himself off doing it. So he was clearly... He's being taught the wrong things about, you know, what's going on. So the sister, Peggy, catches him and pulls him out of there. And then the mother and the daughter are there with Brian when the father gets home. And, and this is the point where the mother is like, you know, we can't, you, you have to talk to your son. This isn't right. And then, of course, the father, he's like, well, he's just being a boy. Boys will be boys. I hate that saying, that boys, it's, it's you know, oh, Boys will tease you and pull your hair because they like you. No, that's not what you want to teach your daughters. It's not okay to be bullied. And that means they like you. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, so the mother, for the first time ever, decides she's going to stand up and, you know, tell the father that she's leaving with the girls. Like, she didn't even care about the son at this point because the son is, she knows the son's lost, you know. 
at this point, the father, like, punches the shit out of the mother and knocks her the fuck clean out. <laughs> he does, like, a, like, a three haymakers and then, like, uppercuts her. Right. And so, and what's really creepy about it, and this is why the acting is really pretty good, is while this is happening and while the father's talking shit to the mother, like, what are you going to do about it? You can see the smile on Brian's face, like he knows that his father's on his side and there's nothing's going to happen to him. So, after he knocks the mother out, they put her back in the chair at the kitchen table, and this is when the teacher arrives, and the mother's still kind of like out of it. She's just kind of sitting there with her head slumped over, and so, but the father's... Well, she's kind of knocked out still. They just kind of propped her up right. to... But the father's kind of like, well, you can talk to me, and you can talk in front of Brian and whatever about what's going on with Peggy. So the teacher's like, yeah, you know, um, Peggy, I think she's pregnant, and, you know, Peggy's trying to, like, pretend she's not. And then she's, the teacher starts asking whether or not she has a boyfriend or has been out with her one, and the father's like, no, if she did, I would know. And then it turned into this big thing, like... Oh, you think Brian you think it's, did it? You, yeah, what well, he was talking about. accusing me? Right. So we know it's the father, but he's pretending that it's not. And he's now confronting the teacher kind of like angrily about it. And she's trying to like actually leave. Like she's like, Okay, I didn't say it was you, but uh, I'll be going now and he's not having it. So he like knocks the fucking shit out of the teacher. And now shit's on. It's on. It's all that so, dog. For most of the movie, Neko would be asking, like, what the fuck is up with the dogs barking? See, it really irritated me because it's like, you have, we, have, we have to take care of her like we take care of the dogs. And I'm like, they have not let these dogs out once. And again, back to the animals. It's two beautiful German shepherds they had, and they're in, like, a barn. And, like, the son at one point was, like, screaming at him. I'm like... You better not do anything to these dogs or I'm turning the movie off and I won't finish it. Yeah, I'm I, like, I don't know why it makes me so mad when I see people, like, I mean, granted, I've been stern with Miss Kitty. I'm like, shut up, it's 3 a.m., you know, like, or if they do something bad, you have to tell them, no, it's wrong. But when you're, like, hurting an animal, like, remember when... We went away for less than 24 hours, and we put Miss Kitty in. Miss Kitty is diabetic, so like we we put her in the in the. Uh, it's not a kennel, whatever it is, the boarding. Yeah. And they were like, and she was so upset. I'm like, I know that the vets were not torturing my cat, but I was so upset because how many times did I call to check on the fucking cat? I understand she's a fucking cat, but I love her, and they're like, oh, she's very very upset. I'm like, just stop testing her sugar. Yeah. Yeah, well, we tried to do that before we left, but anyway. Anyway, but so, like, when it comes to animals... It's a serious it's, thing. It's, for me, it's like... I figured what I was watching the other day that it was, you know, it was a cat that had been killed, but it, it was killed for different reasons, but it, it still sucks to look at shit like that anyway. Um... So, at this point, the father is dragging the teacher by a rope out to the barn because he's going to do away with her with the dogs. And I guess you kind of figure out that uh, they're going to use the dogs to like, eat her or whatever because, you know, probably dogs are probably frail too at some point. Uh, 
Peggy, of course, is trying to stop him from doing so. The father pushes her away again, just more of like, you know, get the fuck out of my face. Brian's enjoying the shit out of it. He's following his dad with this and even smacks the teacher a couple times with a stick while she's trying to scream for help. Mm. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so the mother is still kind of inside the house at this point. The little girl is hiding in her house. Yeah, they said do not. Right, don't come out. Lock your door. Um, so now shit gets really weird because this is where you start discovering some other shit that's going on. So they pull the teacher into where the barn is with the dogs. They put her in the pen. And we kind of knew there was something in this, like, little dog house. We just didn't know what it was. Because at that one point when the boy was, like, feeding the dogs, he put his hand in and it, it bit her. Right, right. And so... At first, you're thinking, well, these dogs are just going to tear this woman up, but they haven't really touched her. They've just been barking the whole time. And then out of this doghouse comes this other little girl, probably another teenager, and she jumps onto the back of the teacher and starts biting her neck and chewing on her. And But she has, like, no eyes. I want to wonder, where did she come from? I know the I just are... read it's the secret third daughter of the Cleeks. Yeah, it's, it's baby sister, but, like... They call her Socket. She has no eyes? Did they, did she, was she born with no eyes? Uh. Because I know this is a book and they probably go a little bit more into detail of, of her. Yeah, they don't mention it here, so I don't really know. Like I said, I think something tells me that this girl was not going with the, going with the demolition cliche here. Demolition man cliche is like, wasn't following the Cocteau plan, so... The father probably took it out on her and did this to her. And then decided, I'm going to treat you like a dog, like yeah. you are. Yeah, so, and that's probably when everyone else in the family just started to, like, fall in line and do what they're supposed to do. They didn't want to end up like her. Um, so, yeah, so this girl, that this other daughter that no one really knew about is Farrell, and she's starting to eat the teacher. and uh, Like an animal. Right, literally like an animal. And this, of course, the fun. dogs are cleaning up and they're eating whatever's left or chewing on her too and so all while this is going on peggy finally gets the brightest idea of all grabs the keys from the house goes to the shed where the woman is and uh unlocks her from there and um now the funny thing here is some people say the next scene that i'm gonna describe is unfair but the mother comes out saying, what did you do? Because she knows this woman's crazy, too. And, of course, uh, the woman comes out uh, and just starts attacking the mother, chews her a little bit, then picks her up and throws her and, like, pretty much kills her on the spot. Like, people will say, well, why would you do that when the mother was a victim? Like, well, the mother was a victim, but the mother was also... The mother's an, also an adult, and you can only be a victim for so long, and I get it, she was She could have did anything to get the... Years ago. Right, she, she... And that's the thing, that's where the... The other daughter comes into play, because she already knew about all this, and she just let it happen. She made that comment, too. We could go... You could go to jail for life with what's going on with those dogs. Right. And that's when I was like, what's going on with those fucking dogs? Like, and I hate, because I know she is much of a victim, as the kids are. And I hate being like this, but she made her choice a long time ago. She did. To stay with that monster of a man. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, by the time... I mean, she was kind of stupid in a way. By the time she decided to put her foot down, she was in no place to do it. She, you know, this is one of those things, like... You literally had to be kind of a secretive person to get the fuck out of there. Like, if if Brian's at school, I'm going, I'm taking Darlin, who's the youngest. Mm-hmm. Going to pick up Peggy, and then I'm going to the police. And then I'm going to go to whoever else I know that I can get the fuck away from this dude. And just, I would just tell the authorities, go look in that fucking barn. Go look in that barn. And that dude goes to jail, period. I feel like that's what I would do secretly. You like, have to. At, at 3 a.m.? You, you can't tell the guy that's controlling everything that you're doing this because he will kill you. Mm-hmm. I would I would do something secretly. They would do anything they could to keep themselves from going to jail or whatever worse. But so see, I, she, but see she knows she's also responsible for that too because she's the mother. Right. And that's and that's, and that's why, why and he has her trapped. And that's the key thing cuz the woman sort of alludes to this. She knows that Peggy's pregnant early on after the power washing. Mm-hmm. So she's like pointing and she knows and it actually means something she's feral but being a good mother in her own way is what she's getting at and she knew that this mother wasn't doing her job to protect Mm -hmm. her kids exactly so that's why she ends up killing the mother that's why sometimes i get mad at parents even though the woman themselves can be a victim as well made your choice and your husband is clearly the dominant one and more important than your kids yeah and when you make that choice early on it perpetuates a um what's the right word um like with the son it's gonna if if the woman wouldn't have killed him if he would have Growing up to be a psychopath like a dad. It's just like a continuous abuse cycle. And that's kind of what I'm getting to soon because. Sorry, 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 sorry. After the woman kills the mother, she picks up uh, a lawnmower blade, almost like sling blade, <laughs> and uh, walks into the barn where the dogs are and the, the young boy and the father. The boy is on his way out when he runs into her and he can't believe what he's seeing, and all of a sudden she's like, Swack, swack, and literally cuts him in half. And, you know, most people say, ah, oh, I don't like violence against kids. Well, trust me, Neko just pointed out this kid was no saving him. He was better off dead because he would have grown up to be a monster himself. So she just took care of that shit right away. Well, he, Plus, she didn't enjoy him, like, torching the fuck out of her with those That's clients. what I was getting ready to say. Like, I don't think it was so much like she was trying to end his lineage. Oh, she did, no, did no. something to her. No, I'm just saying, that's how I look at it. It's like, she did him a favor for all the rest of us that are watching this. Because, you know, leaving that boy alive sucks. Mm. Um, it's just, it's so frustrating. Like, it's so good acting. Cause like, it, it really I, it, is. Cause it, it, he makes you really hate that kid, mm-hmm. like, a lot. So, after killing... And then, like, the one thing, too, because I totally believe this... Parents create these situations, and you see clearly the dad. It's not so much what this this was before the woman even came. Remember, he was uh, he's shooting hoops. He's loving shooting hoops, and he's and the dad is always like on his ass, like perfect. Yeah, what's your percentage? You know, and that son sets him up because he's so trying to impress his dad 
that when he sees what his dad is into, he's trying to be like his dad mm -hmm. to get the acceptance. I should have a fucking psychology degree. But the only way you're going to kind of like break this type of abuse and break this cycle is one, kill the little kid and kill the dad. Or two, you know, maybe the dad's not such a good person. But, and this probably, this would not make it as an interesting movie, clearly, but if the son was reacting the way that Peggy was reacting to, then you would see that he, Brian, the, the son's name, right? He actually is like, my dad does not deserve my affection or my dad does not I don't want to give him but for whatever reason Brian like needed that reassurance and that love from his dad and he just craved it but again the only way it would like have been better for him is if instead of being so instead of treating the woman like she was one of those dogs or a pet or you know masturbating and torturing her with a pair of pliers which Well, there's that ego thing, and I think we talked about it when we were watching it, like, when it came to the woman, he was thinking that he could civilize her, and then the reverse was with the daughter that was secret, that he, he knew he could already make a girl feral. Mm -hmm. so, so he was trying to reverse it. So he's trying to play this, like, God complex where he can do this, and he's, like, so confident he can do it, you know? But it's just so crazy, because, like, <clears throat> I also don't want to, like, play to, like, the masculinity versus feminine femininity tropes, but you could have like, you as a person, you're a man Scott and if you were a young boy like Brian, maybe 12 or 13, and you see that your dad does this you wouldn't have stood for it that's not, uh, no. <laughs> you would have immediately called 911 and then just awaited the the, you know, beating that you got afterwards, because that's the type of person that you are. Regardless of the type of relationship that you might have with your dad, or what Brian might have with his dad, it just goes to show it is an individualistic thing. And Brian so desperately wants to be like his dad because he sees this power in this masculinity and then he thinks it's okay that you can wield your power and then when his dad brushes everything off on him like he's just a boy i mean come on sorry i'm, I'm, I'm on a rant because like it's, it's, it's also a little personal to me because i've seen parents fail children many times and I've seen children who own both sides of the coin where they are so desperate to please their parent that they become a piece of shit like their parent but I've also seen the other side where it kind of spirals the person maybe into sadness or depression because they know what their parent is doing is wrong and they know that they don't want to be that type of person. 
and it kind of this this whole movie is so complex in such a, an hour and a half. Like it's not like this long movie, but in, in an hour and a half, this movie takes all of this, you know, familial rage and and ego and anger, and it just gets all bottled up. Granted, like maybe I look into things a little bit deeper than most people do because you look at this and you're like, fuck, the bitch just bit and, and ate something with her teeth and bit off his finger and it's gross and it's bloody and that's awesome. But when I watch this movie, I really, and this goes to the acting, honestly, like, I look at, like, I believe that Peggy is terrified and she's been oh, abused. Bettis does a great job as the mother. Like, you really feel that she is so meek and weak and even when she's in a store shopping and there's a neighbor that comes to talk to her, she's like, I can't talk to you. Like, there's just this boundary that she puts around herself and her kids that the father is actually kind of forced upon them inadvertently because of all the shit that's going on. And they're like, yeah, um, so next barbecue at your house, she's like, yeah, not yeah, a good no, idea. <laughs> our house is a mess right now. Yeah, no, no, not right. a good time. And... We don't want you looking at the barn. Yeah, we don't. We don't want you to hear the screams. FYI. So, to try to wrap this up. I'm sorry. Here I uh, go. After she's done with Brian, she's cut him in half. He's toast. The father really not even rushing over to help the son. He's busy trying to grab his rifle that's hiding over in the corner, and he can't get to it fast enough. The woman catches up with them and she starts tearing them apart, basically with this. Uh, lawnmower blade and he's stabs and they file in with it and he's kind of like oh shit i just got abused i'm done he's like it was he just had this look yeah he just had this look of like oh my god how'd this happen i'm a man (laughs) it's what you want it's like you just fucking lost yes yeah oh shit you're right he did have that look he's like i'm the one who's always in control yeah Mm -hmm. i Listen, I you're probably going to put this on our list for our next thing, and I would put it up there, because... Oh, it's in the list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's... I, I just... Yeah, well, and then, just again, like, after that's done, it's now, we kind of at the end of it, where the, the woman is looking at Peggy and Darlin and Darlin, you know, she's still so innocent. She you know, she knows there's like this kind of craziness going on, but she doesn't even know how to comprehend it or process it. So she hands the woman like a, a jug of water and and in true fashion the the woman drinks a little bit and then tosses it to the side. Like, you know, she's just she's very animalistic in a lot of ways and how she carries herself. But she 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 grabs the daughter because or darling by the hand and you know she's gonna take her with him because she's told she basically said Peggy, you have your kid I want this kid. This, that's how she looked at it. That's what it looked like too. She was. She and was, not to mention she the the other child with the eye eyes out uh, is somehow the senses knows that this woman is like one of her kind in a way. Because uh, she does act like a dog, like the, the the child that they had in captivity. So she's kind of on her hands and knees, running around, you know, with uh, not so much her knees, but just you know, crouching and falling the one around like a dog. And at first, uh, the 
the daughter, the captive daughter, tries to like kind of like snap at uh, Darlin, and the woman's like, "No, slap you know, smacks her on the nose like she would a dog." Yeah, she did. So, but that's that. But then the the, the captive girl was like, she kind of just you know she understood she like. Said, like she, she is now a dog. Right. She, she. It's sort of like both things. Like she's free, and now she has her own family that will take care of her because you know she can't see anything and she's not gonna be, you know, tortured by the other dude or whatever. But so as the woman and Darlet and the captive girl uh, socket start going away because they're gonna go back into the forest. Peggy kind of reluctantly follows, but follows them anyway, because she has nowhere to go. The, the, the house is done, the, the parents it's are dead. Like, and how do you even explain that to right. anyone? Right, And, you know, and, and in a lot of ways, like, Peggy sort of respects the woman in a lot of ways. She knew that woman would save her life. She just knew it because of who she was. And uh, the only time I get to here is... You and I, you just brought it up that this movie would probably be high on your list for our tier rankings. Rotten Tomatoes, it was actually certified fresh at 73%, which is cool. Surprisingly, the audience had it at 55%. I'm really surprised by that. The audience did? Yeah. Uh, Ooh. Out of the three films, you can only judge this one, but out of the three films for myself, this is the best one and the one that had more depth in terms of storyline for me. Uh... I'm with you. I don't know exactly where I'm going to put it in my list, but it's going to be up there. And it's it's a solid fucking movie. Uh, I was glad to get it on DVD finally because I've been... I actually saw this back in 2011, so that's how long it's kind of been sitting in my brain for that long. Uh, good. There's just so much sadness in this movie. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bleak. Um, mainly from the family perspective, but... You know, that final death scene for those two dudes is like epic you know it's like oh yeah we 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 like that <laughs> i mean that that kid's face when she like starts cutting him up mm -hmm. and he's toast so i wanted to i know i don't want to prolong things too much there is an update on the alec baldwin um crew mm -hmm. and so the rust camera crew walked off the set in protest before the fatal shooting Okay. So the camera operators and their assistants were frustrated by the conditions surrounding the low-budget film, including complaints of long hours and getting their paychecks. The camera crew showed up for work, as expected, at 6.30 on Thursday and began gathering up their gear and personal belongings to leave. And um, the labor trouble had been brewing for days on the set at Bonanza Creek Ranch near Santa Fe, which I've been in that area, and that is actually a really great area to shoot. Um, but after filming began, the crews were told they instead would be required to make a 50-mile drive from Albuquerque each day rather than stay overnight in Santa Fe. Now, I know why they did this, because Albuquerque is by the airport, and Santa Fe is kind of a little bit more expensive. It's kind of like they have fancy ranches. You know what I mean? So it's a it's a cost thing. Right. So 50-mile drive. That So when I went to... I stayed in Santa Fe, but you have to fly into Albuquerque. It is about an hour and a half to get from Albuquerque to Santa Fe. It is not a quick drive. So they were making all of the crew stay an hour and a half away, plus work their 12 hours a day. And um, 
the camera crew was gathering up all their shit. They were saying that the corners were being cut. There were two misfires on the prop gun on Saturday and one the previous week. So there was a serious lack of safety and safety meetings on the set on top of all of that. So Al Baldwin is like in the middle of all this, clearly, we don't, I'm never going to say that this was malicious on his part, but this was from, uh, I don't know where to go. All right, the scene involved a gunfight that began in church, and then Baldwin's character was supposed to back out of the church, according to Brooke, and then that's when it happened. So, also, interestingly enough, one of our favorite actors, Jensen Eccles, is also on this movie. Hmm. He hasn't said anything yet publicly about it because he's probably like, what the fuck is going on? You know? <laughs> probably not used to all this kind of craziness. So it's been halted right now, and it has been titled a low-budget movie. And um, I am not sure what is going on. There was an email that went out to the Local 44, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, and, and it said... It was a live single round. Huh. So it was not a prop round. It was a lot. That's what actually killed the person. It wasn't like the Brandon Lee thing where they like just. There was a piece, piece of shrapnel. shrapnel. Yeah. So, and this is the emails. Many of us have already heard there was an accidental weapons discharge on the production titled Rust being filmed in New Mexico. A single live round was accidentally fired on the set by the principal actor hitting both the director of photography and director Joel Susan. What I don't understand is why is there any any why is there any live ammo at all on a set? It makes no fucking sense. So and they're also saying that a live is an industry term that refers to a gun being loaded with some material. Oh, okay. So Oh, this is interesting. Bonanza Creek Ranch is a popular filming location. The first movie to film there was The Man from Laramie, starring Jimmy Stewart. It was also the set for Blazing Saddles. So, apparently, there was some kind of live round, not a blank round, that was inside. I'm not, I don't think it was like an actual like bullet bullet, but it sounds very uh, indicative of the Brandon Lee issue that happened. In yeah, I don't want to get too much in. I'm sorry. I just the only reason I brought it up was because it just popped up right 22 minutes ago. All right. Well, let's get back into some music here. Um, next block, we got some new stuff from Hate, which is actually making my best of list, which Neko will need to get onto her. her working on it. Working on it. Her USB at some point. Uh, but we're gonna kick it off some brand new stuff from Aeon. This is called Let It Burn, and we'll be back in a little bit. Got some big news for you. Yeah. 
This is Anime from Darken and you are listening to the Halls of Chaos only on Metal Tavern Radio.
answers are becoming even harder, harder to ignore. episode of the hordes of chaos it's been swell neko it's been and i know when you do a show with me it turns into a 27 hour show because it's like we started five hours ago content is there they'll like it you know i guess i don't know i feel bad because i i am this is what we do It's our special time. This is, this is my special thing. You know, even when we were having, like, I was working crazy and we weren't always, like, you know, seeing eye to eye or whatever. Like, we had this. And that's the special thing. So, appreciate everyone who tunes into our show. We much appreciate it. Uh, all the support that we can get. And if, as usual, if you got any requests, you can hit us up anywhere on uh, Facebook or on the podcast themselves. Um, we will have a. We're working on a website that should be able to incorporate. Yeah, we're gonna try to get something that's all in one place, but uh. That's in development right now. Um, we're girl, growing. Yeah, a girl that I've known, like she and I used to play softball together. That's like how long ago it was we were. So doing. she's working on a website. She's been working on it, and that's like what she does for a living. And I'm like, listen. Just tell me, tell me what it, what you can do, and I mean, she she does it for big companies and stuff. So we're little. You can take our little stuff, and and she said, I think I can put something together that incorporates all of your facets of Metal Tavern Radio and make it easy for you guys to edit. upkeep yeah. and edit. Because I, I I told her one of my um what was kind of keeping us from using like one of those. Wix or free. I said it was just very complicated and more complicated than yeah, day. right. So you were telling me you had an announcement to make. Yeah, so Neko brought it to my attention that uh, coming to to a city near you, Static X is back out there with Fear Factory, Dope, Mushroom Head, and Twisted, and uh, got. We were supposed to go see him last time when they went through here during the tribute stuff because, of course, Wayne Stacks no longer here. But uh, got the city opening bands, kind of has a health issues towards the end. And no, it's not health issues. It was just very hot. It was and hot I passed and out. He, and he passed out. And I wasn't even drinking. Hydrated. That's the fun part about it. Yeah, he wasn't drinking alcohol, but he wasn't.
wasn't drinking enough water, and I literally w was in line to get him another bottle of water. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to go piss. And I'm like, okay. And I went looking for him. And I, like, never made Well, I had, like, this really bad sinking feeling because I had been in line for about 15 minutes. And usually he's back, and he's t a lot taller than me, so I can see him over the crowd. And I kind of make my way over to the bathroom, and then I kind of, like, peek in the little hallway, and I peek in, and I'm like, has anyone seen my husband? And then I start panicking, like, has anyone seen my husband? Is anyone? And they're like, are you talking about the big dude? And I'm like, yes, where's my husband? They're like, oh, he passed out twice. And I'm like, oh, my God. They're like, okay, we'll take you to him. And he was outside. And I, ha I had just gotten him a bottle of water, so I had the bottle of water, and I gave it to him. Kind of give credit to soundstage, though, man. They were on top of it. People in the crowd were looking out for me, even the security guards, and, you know, everyone was really nice and helpful. Because, like, literally, the first time, both times I passed out, I didn't even realize it. Like, I was sitting there, and the next thing I was on the ground, and then got up, thinking, oh, yeah, I got to shake it off. <laughs> right back down I went finally they helped me out a little bit and uh, people probably thought I was drunk off my ass or some shit you're like but... I haven't even been drinking right. I was just really dehydrated and then I got really scared and um, I mean there is literally within well, a little bit of a long walking distance of you know University of Maryland's right by soundstage the um, hospital and I'm like let's go to the hospital let's go to the hospital and he's like no yeah, because I felt better once I got out in the air. It was just very suffocating in there. I mean, it was probably the pack, most packed we've ever seen. Even that with venue. Maryland Death Fest, it's never that packed. And right. I, I think it was because it was so special. That... Um, the other news is that we'll, before we leave you is next week we'll be on Samurai Show again. Oh, yes! And we'll be uh, doing a versus with the remakes of The Thing, uh, Carpenter, and then The Fly with Cronenberg. So... For those of you that have been following this and checking them out, uh, be ready. It's going to be a doozy to close out Shocktober. It was funny because we always kind of have, you know, a discussion. And and uh, Samurai came up with this idea, like, first. And then, um, you know, we're all kind of, like, shooting the shit and saying, oh, let's try this, let's try this. But then because we all have seen so many movies and we've kind of, like, developed uh opinions so it's we were trying to be like oh let's do remake versus remake and then i'm like no because this is my opinion already and you're like yeah 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 but this is a remake versus remake i know but he, they were talking about other remakes right well movies. certain films and the other thing is like samurai wants to be careful not to put two films together where one just dominates the other sometimes you can't avoid that like, I have a feeling that one particular film in this group is going to dominate, but it may not. Uh, but that's funny, because, like, you know, <laughs> for those that didn't catch this past week's episode, like, Tony the Dead did a, a video where he couldn't be on with us, but he put a video together, sent it to Samurai as his vote, and uh, as we were going along... Samurai was getting down to his voice. He's like, well, yeah, if I choose something, it might be a time. I'm like, no, it's not because we have four for Lost Boys. And he goes, oh, yeah, Tony. <laughs> so, but, uh, 
Yeah, I've already seen some people who because Samurai is advertised this on YouTube. Yeah. Well, in the private Patreon group, and uh, a couple people have already said one particular film. I'm like, oh boy, this might be a landslide. See, for me, I have to watch The Fly again. It has been years. Possibly because of the bug grossness that I may not be able to handle it. Yeah, there's some pretty uh, disgusting scenes in it. So we'll see, but I got a... One track left for you. I believe it's Grand Sounds promotion that provided this. It's a band called Hunted and For the Blind. And we will see you next week. <laughs>